All right, buddy, aka Mark Moen, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Are we, are we actually filming right now? We've been filming forever. Oh, it's the now. camera's never off. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my name is Mark, aka Buddy. Uh, known this guy for a minute now. Too probably. long. Too long, yeah, since about middle school. Uh, very good friends to you. And then I know Ethan, too. I actually kind of brought you guys together. So, uh, you did I actually. Did you were the mutual friend. I was, right. So if you guys really do make it big, <laughs> I do feel like we owe I, everything to you, buddy. Listen, I'm not going to be upset if I don't get anything, <laughs> but subconsciously, I probably am expecting like $5,000, something around that lines. <laughs> no, no, you should just so, go for a percentage. Just go for a percentage. That way you like, you just get more if they succeed mm, more. Mm, if you go for $5,000, if they succeed big, that's nothing. That's true. Cameron, you get free stickers for life. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you guys started the podcast a while ago, and uh, I'm actually really proud of, like, all the work and effort you kind of put into making it legitimate, because I feel like everyone kind of has, like, a friend, you know, that's like, oh, man, I want to start a podcast. And then, like, it sucks, or, like, <laughs> they'll, they'll film, like, an episode or two, and they'll kind of give up, mm-hmm. but you've really made it kind of professional and gotten, like, a groove going. So, yeah, super cool, and happy to be on here and get to it i cool. also know robbie too and uh, and ryan so yeah i yes. i not just only knowing cameron here. <laughs> cool uh ryan why don't you tell us a little bit about your yourself well my name is ryan faultine um friend of buddies friend of ethan's and a very avid watcher of the podcast make sure to comment every single video um yeah just uh i guess i'm just a humongous geek you know <laughs> pretty much (laughs) cool ethan actually since he's not on this episode he has some questions for you ryan specifically uh i do have some questions for you as well so Mm. we'll we'll get to everyone uh so ethan's first question was what are your career dreams what do you what do you see yourself doing as a career so i want to become a game developer because i've always played games as a kid you know and uh i want to do something that involves creating things um so I hope to ju- I hope to start off working for a company and eventually go independent as time goes on. But first, you know, the first steps are to go to college and uh, mm. take classes. Mm. So yeah, cool. Yeah, I I really admire that. Um, it seems like it's a a hard but really rewarding road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of them get overworked. A lot of times, like if you plan to be a game developer, you probably going to be expected to work overtime most of the time hmm. interesting i don't know that. yeah there's a like lot. there's a ton of like uh like overturn and like people jumping from companies to companies uh which is it's kind of sad but at the same time you know there's some games that you know they get like the right combination of people and they just like trying to be like masterpieces because everyone's like super passionate and mm-hmm. yeah super cool well, are you gonna work I imagine for it's a, a little bit like film for you know, a sell like up company like same crew. like EA and just I, I like screw over EA. all of your fans. I've yeah, heard yeah. stories of people who work for EA. You know, I, I, that's probably a company I try to avoid. I know that no matter what company I would go to work for, I'm probably not gonna get. I'm gonna get the short end of the stick in mm-hmm. some kind of way. But uh, so yeah. when you say you want to be game developer, you want to be on the uh, programming side, artistic side. Or... I want to be more on the t- artistic side. Okay. You know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I wouldn't mind being on the programming side, but I want to be more of like a, I want more control over how the game comes out. Yeah, 
Right. So you'd be more of like a creative director. Like, yes. Mm -hmm. This is how the combat system is going to work. And like, this is the type yeah. of environment that we're trying to make. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. What, uh, I feel like we've talked this before, but like what kind of made you want to go down that? Because, um, I know like Alex also does kind of that music that we know he is a brother-in-law basically. Um, well, was that an inspiration on you or? Well, yeah. Well, as I, when I was a kid, you know, I, uh, when I moved, I didn't have a lot of friends in the beginning and, uh, I made some friends by playing games, by inviting them over and hanging out. And I guess, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of negative views against games for some of the older generation but i don't think really think that's um right you know like uh i don't know i just i just want to create them you know you know it was a source of happiness for me i hope to make it a source of happiness for others you know mm. that's why i wanted to become a game developer mm. that's cool yeah um i would say like games they're an interesting medium because they're not like most other like narrative mediums like they connect with players on like a different level than like movies and shows and books and like they can't like reach that level and like there's certain like narrative uh devices that you can do just because it is an interactive medium yeah. that, like you can't do anywhere else yeah, yeah i think uh it's it's funny you bring that up because ironically it's most game developers don't even realize that that they're using a completely different medium it seems like they think they're making a movie most of the time they're making a movie and then you get to be a part of the movie but no it's like you you are the creator like in a game you are the creator you sh you're mm -hmm. the source of creation and you're given a uh, set of rules by which to create but i mean really you are the source of um, i guess dynamics so you you are the you are the thing that's driving the game not the game itself which is yeah it's completely unique to all other art forms Cool. I feel like you're gonna do a, you, like a lot of micro transactions in your games, Ryan, and just try oh, yeah. to like suck as much money out <laughs> people as you I'm can. I'm more of a DLC kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see. So I have a, I have uh, actually my brother who is also aspiring to be a game developer. He gave a really interesting idea for how to release a game. And so what you want to do is you want to release the basic game, and you maybe sell it as like uh, I don't know. 10 bucks let's say for this game and then as you continue to make dlc for it you just add it to the game and the price goes up but the people who bought the game originally get the dlc for free and so you kind of have like a reward system for original customers hmm. i thought that was a really genius idea and to a reward and basically uh to demonstrate how great of a company you are you know <laughs> like to to produce loyalty customer loyalty well, I, I think that's a really good idea i think borderlands 2 did something kind of like that where they uh they had dlc released to continue their um to like advertise for mm -hmm. the new game but they only made it free for people who first got it who were like on top of it who knew about it and then yeah. afterwards now it costs money to yeah play it interesting yeah that's a great idea I actually have a similar question for you guys. Uh, what do you think of loot boxes and DLC in video games? Like, don't like, is it necessary or should it just be banned altogether? I think it depends on the kind of game. Like, uh, I think DLC can be great because a lot of times you want to return to the world. As long as, like, that game is already complete in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with having DLC for that. As for loot boxes, I think it depends on the kind of games. Sometimes loot boxes, great. But uh, other games, they should just stay out of, you know. It seems to me that uh, the greatest question is pay to win or not pay to win. And I, I really think pay to win is like immoral if you're making a game because it, it yeah. is basically uh, 
it's giving an extrinsic extrinsic power like you're not actually within the game so people who are actually really bad at the game might still be able to yeah. to succeed and i i think that that's uh defeating the whole purpose of the game it's but, just a bad principle yeah it's just a bad principle but dlc i think is probably a better idea than sequels yeah because i think a lot of people make sequels they spend so much money coming up with a new engine for basically the same game uh instead of just using the other engine which really worked and adapting that engine the greatest example i can think of dlc as opposed to a sequel is uh, kind of Majora's Mask in Legend of Zelda. I don't know if you've ever played Majora's Mask. Yeah. On the Nintendo 64. It's a great example of, it's a sequel. It's like a new story. It's a completely different game. But at the same time, it reuses a lot of the old data, the same engine. It's basically the same engine, just a new game, a new experience. And I think that's right. really, uh, it worked really well for them. Yeah, I would agree uh, with that. I feel like... Um... From like a company's perspective on it and like a broader like economic standpoint view of things, I understand why they exist because obviously a business exists to make money and clearly they're making yeah. a lot of money off it. And <laughs> yeah. if, if people are going to keep buying them, you know, why not put it out there? But I do think it, it sucks, obviously, as people that play video games, like yeah. for the reason you're saying pay to win, it kind of takes out like the enjoyment of the game for people mm -hmm. that really want to. Um but there's still like great single player games that are coming out with. I mean, if anything, I feel like it's caused people to put more of an emphasis back on single player games yes. that were being ignored for a while. So. That's what the stats show. Yeah. Uh, I think it was for 2020. There's a company that did stats for their game specifically. I don't remember which company it was. Uh, but basically, they looked at like the number of multiplayer games versus single player games that people were playing. And it was like overwhelmingly like single player like almost exclusive for that like company. I yeah. I remember sad. that because <laughs> EA right around the same time had just released a statement saying that like single player games were dead, <laughs> and then the stats just showed that that was not the case, and everyone yep. gave them flack for it. That's <laughs> honestly okay. That, that's funny, and I get that, but at the same time. It's sad to me that couch multiplayer is dying. Do you yeah. guys remember growing up and going <laughs> like Halo? <laughs> yeah, Halo, no, Super so Smash Brothers, these couch games. I love couch multiplayer games. Uh, I think it's an experience that is far above and beyond all the other gaming experiences because having a headset and playing with other guys is not the same as being in the same room. And like that's an actual um, bonding experience. And I think everything else is much more artificial and mi probably more wasteful than a couch multiplayer experience. Yeah. Yeah, I was very disappointed in Halo 5 because uh, yeah. I, I, I got Join the it. club. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Join hey, the world. because my brother and I, we used to play this all the time, all the Halo games. So I invited him over to try to play and, uh, no, it what it went. And I was like, why isn't it? And then I looked it up. No, there was no split screen for it. I was like, Wait, there's no split screen for a, a Halo game? No. Mm -hmm. That's like that's like no jumping in a Mario game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. Oh. Talking about like it, it started to give you an opportunity to make friends, you know, and actually get mm -hmm. a you know, like meet people to come over and hang out with you. And I think mm -hmm. people kind of forget that aspect yeah. of it. it. It is a social it's like a bonding yeah. experience with your friends. You can do something you enjoy doing together and when you take that out, it's kinda yeah. like what is this? It's what, not what is the point? Right. What is the point? And so yeah. and when it comes down to it, the single player games that succeed, succeed for their story, succeed for their meaning and are more of a work of art, I yeah. would say. But the, the multiplayer games that succeed or the multiplayer games that should succeed, in my opinion, are the ones that, like you say, are a bonding experience, just like playing chess or playing other board games. I mean, it's the same principle. It's a game. A game is a game is a game. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, I think I think it's really sad that we're kind of, I guess, disconnecting. That's 
symptomatic of our entire situation but you know you know what uh, you know yeah. what we did when we first moved into like our uh, our apartment together and like we didn't have like very many like because they didn't have a lot of single player games we just got yahtzee we just <laughs> played yahtzee <laughs> late at night that game. It's, yeah. it's like it's mostly all chance luck, bro yeah it's, it's, it's all, all chance yeah. it's all chance it's basically risk but without the strategy <laughs> right it's just numbers yeah yeah, and if you look up like um, good like co-op multi like local co-op multiplayer games, there's only like a, a handful of good ones. It's like Halo, and you've got like Cuphead, and there's like the one where it's like the two brothers, which I think was a PlayStation exclusive, and mm -hmm. then there's like a few others, but there's really not that many, which is kind of sad. We just uh, my brother and I recently discovered one called Outward. Mm. Um, it is because we are so big, such big fans of Dark Souls and the Soul series. It's like a Similar principles to Dark Souls, but also it's an open world Skyrim-esque kind of game. And it's local co-op, split screen. It is the most interesting thing. I've played that game. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. It is, it's pretty cool. It's a little bit cartoonish. It makes me feel like I'm in an Indiana Jones game a little bit. <laughs> but it, just, it just feels it feels different. It feels yeah. different. But I, I think it's really good. And I highly suggest it to anybody who wants to do any kind of co-op play. Do you know of any good ones, Ryan? Well, I mean, pretty much any Nintendo game is obviously a great yeah. split screen um, experience. Um, there are a few games that I've played that are not necessarily designed for split screen, but you could. Like uh, Detroit Become Human, meant to be a single player game, yeah. but you can play it as in every other character it could be a friend of yours. So you pass over the controller oh. to the other person to play that character. Interesting. Uh, That's a good idea, actually. Until that Dawn. Is. I want to do a party game with that because it's a horror game and it's very campy. Yeah. But you could make every character a friend of yours and yeah. it, I think that would be a really fun thing. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we should do that. Uh, I have Until Dawn. I just haven't like played a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or what you can do is if you guys are a PC gamer, you could definitely not, I repeat, PC not emulate a different system and may or super... may not be illegal <laughs> may or may not be illegal definitely do not emulate a gamecube and just play super smash brothers melee <laughs> nintendo holds onto their properties like every system and every game is like a, a gold jewel like mm -hmm. a, something like precious to them it's like they're losing their children or something <laughs> yeah it's like they re they keep re-releasing these like super old games for like basically retail price yeah but they do it in a way where, like, you have to. It's it's ridiculous. And so Nintendo also isn't, for example, GameCube. They're not making any more GameCubes. They're not <laughs> making any more controllers for their GameCubes. So they're they're just basically turning it into a valuable commodity of even having some of these old systems, any of these old games. It's like, a, if you don't have it, well, sucks to suck. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. Yes. Question, Question for you. For you. Uh, what are your? Do you have like, you have a, favorite like a favorite MMA, MMA fighter, fighter or fighters? Hmm. Mm. Good question. Yeah, I feel like uh, I am not so much of a fan of just pure skill. I like people that kind of have like a story behind them too. They go out there and like show like a lot of heart. So. There was a big, was a big fight. fight. Everyone knows that Conor McGregor, uh, the guy he just lost to, uh, Ryan and I watched it together. Uh, yeah. This guy named Dennis, uh, his name is Dustin Poirier. And he has like this really just kind of cool backstory of like coming up like in Louisiana and like he had like a really hard life and MMA kind of gave him like a, an opportunity to channel like a lot of that in kind of a direction away from like crime and kind of poverty. 
and he like fought his way up and then he fought connor for the first time back in like 2014 got schooled just got like knocked out and there's like this really just sad like iconic like picture of him and you see him just like laying there like knocked out and you see connor like doing his like weird swag walk and oh yeah and like at the time you just know like dustin's thinking his head like this guy is going to go off to superstardom and i just lost and my career is over with but he didn't give up he went and trained harder and really like honed his skill set and he he got, got a lot better, whereas Connor kind of just, you know, teetled out and did, you know, rich, rich guy antics. Yeah. Punched old people in the head for not liking his whiskey. And they, they rematched again and Dustin uh, pieced him up and won. I, I think that's like a really cool backstory. Nice. I also like John Jones just because um, he's like... <laughs> he's such like a not good guy and he, he keeps like this like image of himself as being like uh this saint and it's really annoying he does that because he's clearly not like he hit a pregnant woman with his car and ran away <laughs> he, he's just not but what he does just like just own the fact that he's just a jerk and he's like what are you gonna do about it i'm the best friend in the world he makes a really good heel and he's still undefeated so i do like just watching him just go out there and just be a, a jerk when he just lets it out so those two probably Nice. Hmm. Do you guys watch any MMA or WWE or the only time I watch MMA Muay is when uh with Buddy pretty much. <laughs> I would like to watch John Cena fight Conor McGregor. Mm. Watch your watch it. Oh <laughs> that's, sorry, one. wrong wrong dude. Yeah. <laughs> that would be my dream. No, I don't watch a lot of MMA. Uh neither do I watch wrestling. I mean wrestling's actually not combat. But I mean it's a very interesting style of storytelling you know there's there's a lot of uh showmanship that goes on which is pretty entertaining to watch in those you know, small clips that i do see but i don't know if there's any single fighter that i could name off the top of my head which i really admire or find like inspirational i do find it interesting that that person is from louisiana and has that uh that background like driving him forward i think that's pretty cool I and mean, everybody loves an underdog story so everybody Okay, I ad yeah. I admire Conor McGregor's confidence. Like what I've seen, just his he exudes confidence. He's just completely overconfident. That's probably his defining characteristic. It's just confidence. But um, I I don't really think that's a great character trait. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's the best. And I would definitely uh, respect someone who knows the limitations a lot more. Yeah, at some point you're just like, yeah, you got too much confidence, too much mm -hmm. swagger, and it's just it's not likable well it's well, it's really weird though because like there is this thing with fighters that like people want them to be really humble and like have a good attitude about it i don't want to say it's impossible but i do think to an extent to like be that kind of person that goes into a cage and just fights them like that you have to be kind of like deluded and like you know you, you really have to think like you're just the best thing ever and have no fear in you if you're a normal, well-adjusted person, you know, mm -hmm. who's going to be humble, you're probably not going to be going to that line of work to begin with and training yeah. like that. So I yeah. almost feel like the second someone, and you saw that with Connor this last time, he was like a lot more humble and he was like gracious and he was doing that trash talk mm -hmm. and he lost and he got knocked out. And, and it's only when he was kind of being like super cocky Connor that mm -hmm. he had that kind of like killer instinct to go in for it. So it's kind of like a weird, like view into like the human psyche of how that kind mm -hmm. of works there's like a weird paradigm that goes on there that's a lot of what athletes do though is they'll like for most most of like their training they're like somewhat humble and like nice but then you know when they're there to like compete they almost like have to hype themselves up to the point where they're telling themselves 
like I'm the best, I'm going to win this. Mm-hmm. Like the, that like winner's mentality. And I don't know if that necessarily helps you or not. I I would think that it would yeah. help you to a point. Almost undoubtedly it does. Until I, you're like two, until you like are on the other side of it where you're like, well, I know that I'm the best, so I'm going to win. Like that is different from like, I can, I can like win this thing, like being confident and being cocky are like two different things. And yeah. I think Connor probably went a little too far like right. the other side of that. Well, someone wants to like, cockiness is based on like insecurity confidence is based on skill so i think if you have the skill to back it up and you know you can do it then it's okay to play that mindset but when it gets to the point where you're not looking at things as reality they're kind of looking as like the image you've constructed in your head about like your image and the guy you're fighting that's when you tend to see like people just Mm self-destruct yeah it seems to me also that um training kind of breeds an overconfidence Mm. where if you train a lot you'll you'll have a lot of overconfidence, but experience brings true humility. Where if if you're actually, like, if you have those experiences where you've been, you know, knocked out or just beaten and that breeds, like, you can't help but be truly humbled by that. Where it's like, you recognize that, you know, even though I trained so hard, you're still not the best. Somebody's better than you. There's already somebody better than you. So, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on this, Brian? About, uh... Not really. Uh, the last two MMA fights I saw were kind of disappointing. The buddy, do you remember the Cowboy versus McGregor fight? Yeah, it lasted like thirty seconds. Yeah, just <laughs> boom, boom, yeah. done. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think MMA is interesting in that, like, you could have a guy who totally deserves the win, but it just completely fall flat and mm. just lose. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. You don't really know what's going to happen. We also kind of assume, I don't know, it's like that old Ecclesiastes, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. Because with uh, with MMA, we kind of assume that, oh, this fighter is the best or this fighter is the best because of these qualities that they've exuded. And maybe that's right. But there's so much variation over time with the same fighter, even over an hour. Like the variation of their capability where one moment they will be extremely powerful and the next moment just because of their circumstances, because of their mental attitude, they'll be, you know, not much more spectacular than your average. So there's like, there's a lot of variation and I think training helps a lot, but training is just increasing your odds. It's not actually defining whether you're a better fighter, whether oh, yeah. you'll win. I just thought of that one, that one match that you showed us the other day where it was oh, like yeah. <laughs> the two dudes that like got super tired, like during the, like the, the beginning of the round. And then, like, for the rest, basically for the rest of the match, it's, like, they're, like, in slow motion. Yeah. That's what happens <laughs> with the heavyweights. That's why, like, yeah. I think people, like, think that, like, heavyweight fighters are going to be the most interesting fights. No. And they, they suck most of no. because they have, like, too much muscle to, like, do anything. <laughs> with it's, the it's smaller guys. With the, uh, what is it, in wrestling, I did wrestling for two years, and that's yeah. exactly the case. I was in the awkward weight, not quite heavyweight, not quite middleweight. I was, like, 195, 182 was, like, my weight bracket area. And so it was just the worst wrestling with some guys who would just like hang on to you and just latch onto you. And they're so heavy. They just drag you into the ground or finding the smaller guys who are just like super fast. And it's yeah. like, there's no in between. There's just either fast or you're just a tank. There's nothing in between. <laughs> was it, was it all? Cause you have like a kind of a weird body type. Cause you're yeah. kind of like tall and like lengthy, lengthy right? But you're it also like, ad- it was not, I was going to say, I don't feel like you're yeah. more of like an endomorph. No, my, my, I've noticed, so I've, I've practiced also some historic European martial arts, like sword fighting, things like that. That is where I might, I have an advantage because I have a really long reach and I have some pretty strong shoulders, which allows me to keep my sword up. Um, but 
with uh, with wrestling, it's the stockier guys that have better leverage for their strength. And so, like, I am just one gigantic lever. My entire body, <laughs> they have so much leverage because my bones are so long, you know? And so they can just, like, leverage me into the ground. Bro, do you fence? I do. Teach me how to fence, fence sometimes. Fence? I'll, I'll, I'll fence you with fence? you, man. Yeah. Well, you take the pliers, you wrap around the barbed wire, and then, no, uh, yeah, I can teach you some stuff. That'd be kind of cool. So you huh? said you did European sword fighting? I say... It's a process. I'm learning. Like I, I'm, I'm still in the process right now. So there's a school here in Spokane for that. There is a school in Spokane. I don't know, but uh, there, there is a school in Spokane. Remember, I live an hour away, guys. I'm not gonna go an hour like every time, every week. You're not dedicated enough. I'm not dedicated enough. And also, you like they do require money, and you have to have gear for almost every school that I know of. And so the only gear I have are some sparring swords, like two sparring rapiers, one sparring longsword, and a mask. That's all I got. And then I have some MMA equipment, which is useful for padding. <laughs> like it's, it's nice to have something around your hands. But no, it, it is a lot of fun. I highly suggest it for um, a sport with a purpose or like working out with a purpose. Because I think a lot of people want to exercise, but they don't. They don't want to do They're not training a, for something. Yeah, right? they're not training for something. And so when you're when you're doing MMA or you doing MMA is a good way of doing it. MMA is really destructive though. Like MMA is really destructive to your body and so is other martial arts. Sword fighting is less destructive. Now, it can be destructive if you're stupid if you get hit in the wrong places, but I just like come away from sword fighting mostly just with wraps on the knuckles and with some scrapes on my knees. Like that's that's all that happens with uh with sword fighting is like a couple pokes, a couple bruises, but none of this like huge wear and tear on your shins and like none of this conditioning your bones until they become harder. You know, there's none of that craziness. It's pretty, it's pretty laid back all things considered. And it's a, it's an art, which is not necessarily every martial art. Like not every martial art is an art per se. I could see you being a crusader. I could just see you like Terry crusading casual. I could see you being uh, what's that character people. from Dark Souls? Solter. You could be so Solter. Er, no. I wish I could be so grossly yeah. incandescent. Praise the sun. <laughs> Praise the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, you know that was our that was our school mascot. It was a crusader. Oh really? really? Yeah, really? we were the Northwest Christian yeah. Crusaders. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nowadays, yeah. I I can't wait until they are forced to change that mascot. <laughs> well, well, I don't see it? how it could be a problem running around with a sword. What will they change it to though? Like a priest? Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's just no, like it's more. They're just holding a Bible instead of a mace, and he's just like reading through it. Yeah, yeah. But they're still in the same armor. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has like the Crusader garb and everything. He's just like the, the scholar. They're gonna just change it to like the Inquisitor or something like that, and then people are gonna. No. No one really expects the <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, actually, Northwest Christian, I didn't even realize that they had a mascot. For the longest yeah. time, I didn't yep. see any of their, like, oh, we're the Crusaders or anything like that. Because all the other schools, I, I remember, like, wrestling some kids for Northwest Christian and yeah. competing in other sports against Northwest Christian. And I never saw their mascot. They, wouldn't, like, or they wouldn't have a mascot there for wrestling. It, it was mostly, like, volleyball and, yeah. like, the turn, like the actual like, okay. tournament-based yeah. sports, like, Wrestling's a tournament-based sport. It's just uh, not fun to watch. It's That's not a difference. Cool. Uh, Instead of sweaty dudes running around, it's just sweaty dudes on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I watched, uh, my school's mascot was a crusader or something cool like that. Ours was just a Scotty, but they made it like they made him look buffed out to try to make it look cool. But I was like, not. It was, was not have, having it. <laughs> I have never seen our school's mascot. I, I know we had like a mascot and I, our mascot was the Cougars, the Chewila Cougars, yeah. Yeah. Jenkins High School Cougars. I have never seen the suit. I've never seen the dude. Like I've been to football games. I've looked for him. I can't find him 
Which makes me wonder why. They just, no one wanted to do no, it. No one wanted to do it, I guess. Much. I mean, there are like three kids in our school. So, yes. <laughs> uh, really fast. Do you remember Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Spieler? I think she told me because her husband, I think he's the coach, Aaron Spieler over there. Yeah. And I think there was a point in time where they actually wanted for the Northwest Christian mascot to have like, I think Mr. Spieler presented it and it was like a crusader and he literally had like had scalped like <laughs> like some guy like the Holy Land and they're like nice no we're not doing that <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's that's culturally accurate though yeah I mean that, that is kind of what they would do but. yeah I feel like you can't have the Crusader without like doing the whole Masonic thing and you could, going... have, a, you could have like a, a kid with the Crusader garb on that's like historically accurate Right. I guess you could. Like, 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 like a children's crusade? Yeah. Like, no, yes. Getting sold into slavery? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that'd, that'd fly. Well, also, I mean, like with the crusaders, I don't know. I am not uh, historically informed. Well, no, no, uh, us really are. No, I mean. I the, actually didn't major in, well, okay, in okay, medieval buddy, history. Well, okay, okay, buddy. Yes. Okay, so you majored bit. in medieval history. Um, so I mean, not medieval. I studied a lot of medieval. Oh, okay. But. So, what you studied, actually, I think majoring in history is probably the best degree you can get, in my opinion. But um, you don't make a lot of money. No. That's, well, why, I mean, that's, that's why I do accounting now. <laughs> yeah, that's the main reason. But I mean, it, like, it's not a matter of making money. It's just a matter of if you actually are pursuing learning, learning history is the most useful information you can have. That way, you can prevent it from repeating itself. Uh, but with history, so with crusader or crusades every crusade had a different reason behind it for the most part right and like not every crusade had the same reasoning not every crusade was necessarily as evil as the previous and there's so much variation between the motivations and the players within the crusades because there was different countries different uh leaders going on different attacks going on and different cities being sacked yeah. so uh like with that i mean can we even like say like can we universally accuse the crusaders or universally condone them I feel right. like that's the the fault which we're trying to make is like we're trying to say all crusades were evil or all crusades were like good you know like both sides might be making that same mistake of just uh, universal pardon or universal condemnation but we can't we can't do that and also i just don't think we have a whole lot of information on the subject no, no. well people like so there were there was like 12 crusades some of them weren't even in the middle east they were like in the baltics area around like estonia kind yeah. of um and they were over a period of 200 years. So it wasn't just like things that were like right next to each other, you know. Uh, and like like you were saying, the very first one was like multinational. It had a very specific purpose and it was largely successful. But then after that, they kind of became like secular kind of in motivation. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they varied, but it would just be like largely a king would want to like assert his authority and be like, how do I legitimize myself? Oh, yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to conquer Jerusalem, you know. Yeah. That'll get the Pope on my side. And they'd head off there. You know, one of the Crusades, it, it didn't even... It, it took out the Byzantine Empire, which was a, the Christian Roman Empire. The you Byzantine, know, right? Yeah. You know, it didn't even get to any Muslims or anything. So yes, it was just it was all over the place. But it's fascinating to look at it, like you're saying, and kind of like study and see how, like, oh, it's weird how there are all these different factors, dynamics mm -hmm. that played in this. It's very rarely just ever one thing, like people think it is. And it's also largely attributed to the Catholic Church, which is became so tied up in the. Um, the politics, like mm -hmm. the, a church becoming tied up in the politics where the politics was affecting the church and the church had political power, uh, which seemed to, although people call the Catholic church a monolith, we treat the Catholic church like a monolith. There's so many sects and there's so many different schools of thought within the Catholic church that's not very Catholic, that is to say, not very universal. Um, so 
we really can't even look back and say, oh, it was the Catholic Church's fault because at, the, at times, weren't there Catholics fighting Catholics in some of these crusades? I mean, there's all kinds of so much chaos going on. Although I did, rec I do recall, um, so the literacy rates, though, one of the reasons why we accused the Middle Ages of being the Dark Ages, I believe, was because of the literacy rates. But wasn't that largely a misnomer? Like, weren't we actually mm. quite mistaken about how literate the people were? Yeah, I, I think um, that was mostly sort of a, a Western mindset. I, I think it's because there weren't that many, like, sources around the time. So a lot of it is undocumented. Mm -hmm. People forget that the same sources that exist during antiquity, they were still around. They just transferred from the Romans to, like, the Greeks or the yeah. Arabs in that period of time. So, like, the Eastern Orthodox Church, they still were recording everything. They had a lot of different... Um, and they were separate from the Catholics. So it's interesting to see like their perspective on holy war and things like that as yeah. opposed to the Catholics. Yeah. And um, same with like a, like the more kind of political, secular Islamic world that was yeah. further. They were also recording a lot of stuff. Ryan actually has interesting perspectives on this because his family is from Arabia and his ancestors what? No, that's were not actually, true at all, as you can tell by his, his skin complexion over here. No, he's, <laughs> making, so, he's making, he's <laughs> making. It's okay, Ryan. This is a safe space. You don't have to die anymore. <laughs> Well, I'm told that I have ancestors from the Habsburg Empire, which were a bunch of yeah. uh, inbred and incestuous <laughs> uh, tyrants. So I, I don't believe that. I was going to say, isn't that like most rulers from like most of the world? Yeah. At least most of like the European world, at least back in Ooh, those times. Yeah. I mean, apparently though. So here's one thing. So in uh, First Corinthians, First Corinthians five, it talks about the one dude in the Corinthian church who was incestuous, like he had, or like he slept with his father's wife, and it was, it describes, or Paul's talking about, it and he says it's not even named among the Gentiles, and I thought that was weird to say, but I was looking at it, and it is like it's literally uncommon. That's uncommon among the Greeks and the Romans and everything. Hmm. The, the Greeks literally have plays, lots of plays about how bad incest is. Like they have way too many plays. <laughs> like Oedipus Rex. And Oedipus, like, yeah, Oedipus, yeah, Oedipus. You have Oedipus Rex. You have all kinds of plays <laughs> by uh, Ovid, Ovid's Metamorphoses. You have all yeah. these plays and stories where it's like, yeah, they universally hated it. And somehow you guys did it. <laughs> it's messed up. It's really, it's, it's uncommon. Um, it's uncommon even among the people who were like practicing temple prostitution and like child uh, infanticide and all these things, which were other evils. But like that one thing, I don't know. I guess it's one of those times where they can just point at something and just say, oh, that's so evil. We'd never do that. And that's what makes us good enough to allow us to do this evil, you know? Right. And that's why they had so many like defects, health problems. Mm -hmm. uh, you had all those like different diseases. Mm -hmm. Some of them were hereditary and some of them were just viral and, there was a lot of a lot of stuff back then and it wasn't like you know it wasn't like it was something that happened to the people it was like the people that caused the those problems yeah <laughs> have you guys seen that like um that video online it's like what was actually the worst year in history and it was like uh <laughs> yeah i think you've seen it right and people because everyone's like oh 2020 is the worst year and it was actually like during the reign of justinian and like five something like there is the big like plague of justinian going around just like killing everyone and the sky was red because of some like weird natural thing <laughs> it was just terrible like everything sucked and I'm like oh i'm really was happy that, i was gonna say was that a weird history video it might have been yeah it was okay. like about like what just like what year had just had the worst stuff that ever happened mm. and, and it was like it was like 20 it was like 542 ad or something like that mm. i just remember it was during justinian's reign but it was, it was pretty bad have you guys ever heard of a series of books by Gibbon, this art, mm. uh, this this writer Gibbon called The Rise and Fall of the 
Roman yeah. Empire. It, it created the like basically how you source and do everything yeah. with Rome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a classic work. It's a, it's 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 almost like the Rosetta Stone. I thought of history for for a while. It's it's a frequently referenced. It's extremely um, it's enduring. It's an enduring work. But I, I haven't read it personally myself. I read bits and pieces. Uh, there's quotes which are used often, uh, like the one about how uh, da, 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 da. there's describing history as a catalog of the crimes, follies, and misfortunes of mankind. Like that specific quote is from Gibbon. And in that book, though, he describes how the Praetorian Guard became the rulers of Rome, how they were the ones who replaced and put in place emperors, which was to me very interesting. And often what they would have is they would have uh, a good emperor, which they would put in place. But once he started doing the things which had to be done, like basically cutting back on spending, you know, like just instituting some of these laws, and as soon as they'd stopped liking him. And so they'd kill the emperor, which was trying to fix the situation. Or like Stilicho, who is one the one of the people, one of the generals who was preserving the Roman Empire towards its fall. This was back in the West and East. We're actually still separated, but they're united at the same time. Stilicho, this general who is keeping everybody in order, like he was basically keeping it all together. He was the glue keeping it all together. And he was keeping the Goths and the Visigoths, or maybe just the Visigoths, from invading. Like he was keeping them from sacking Rome. Mm. They liked him, and so they, they didn't want to destroy him. Uh, and he was keeping it all together until an emperor thought he was too much of a threat. And so he executed him and then it stopped coming together. It's like these, these, uh, these, em these empires are self-destructive and that's like the one universal trait of all human society is that it's self-destructive. It's not really anything coming from outside. Those, those threats are just the final destruction. They are not the true destruction. Yep. Yep. I would agree with that. And I think, yeah, I mean, mankind has always been self-destructive mm -hmm. uh, in one way or another. Just like um, John Jones, the MMA fighter who was self-destructive <laughs> in his own life. Yeah. So, you know, back, to tie back to that. I just looked back yeah, at the question. I was looking at this like, question. I was like, yeah. Well, I don't think society has to remain destructive, though. Like, I don't think. I feel like we'll, we'll move away from that as time goes on. Really? Yeah, I'm more of an optimist. So I That's kinda... good, because I'm a pessimist. <laughs> well, so, I mean, balance out the table. I just think that philosophically uh that's just not supportable because you've got uh well i guess you have the scientific rule or the scientific law of entropy where you use uh, and order tends towards disorder and so i think humankind is going downhill we have a lot of these um artifices all these technologies and these conveniences which we've created as we are declining but I mean, the universal trend is going down. Our life expectancy is actually getting smaller, even though we've created these um, better healthcare systems. It's because so of processed foods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's because of GMOs, guys. Only eat food that doesn't cast a shadow. I'm That's the, the idea that order can also come out of disorder, though. Like, you know? Interesting. I think that's part of the evolutionary myth. Uh, the, the myth that order tends towards... Or, uh, I'm sorry, disorder tends towards order, because... We see, or that the evolutionist looks at the acorn that grows into the oak and says, I've solved it. That, like, I know how the world works. Like, I know that this little thing, which is so simple, became something greater and more complex and more fruitful. But he doesn't see that that acorn came from another oak. And so we have a cycle, and I think the Taoists believe that everything is balanced in a cycle. And it's like, you know, 
the right and wrong are just the, the dualists, the Taoists believe uh, that you have the cycle of life, circle of life. And uh, many people believe that. And I think that's probably the best way of looking at current reality. But the cycle eventually will break down. Like the wheel on the bus goes round and round until it doesn't. I, I, I think like from a technological like standpoint, kind of, I guess, more or less what you're saying, yeah, I could see how like in terms of like countries more making like agreements not to fight and sort of globalism spreading things to get better from that perspective. But I think like from a internal kind of more like the soul of the person, like that kind of thing and like actual human problems and disorder and chaos or just even like everyday killings. I think we're kind of going towards the same trajectory mankind's always sort of been on. Um, and I think the kind of peace that you will see arising, it's not going to become like a peace from like sort of like friendship or like genuine like altruism. It's more going to be like, it would not benefit me economically to attack you or kill this person. This peace from yeah. fear, right. peace from selfishness. Right. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. So I, I, I kind of think that I, I could see sort of what both of you are saying, but it, it's, it's not like an actual like improvement of the human condition. It's yeah. more like. Yeah. Uh, consolidation yeah. is not but necessarily improvement. I think right. the human condition has a possibility to improve, which. Well, I think, you know, it's also kind of a worldview where you're looking at it from, that's too. True. That's ultimately going to kind yeah. of change. And there's, like, different, I mean, depending on, like, what sector or, like, what area of life you look at it, I feel, I feel like you could have different perspectives. Mm -hmm. uh, like, if, you talk, if you're talk, talking about, like, the human condition or, like, living conditions, um, I think it does have the possibility, possibility to improve, um, but probably not likely. I don't know. I mean, if you look at, like, the Internet, you know, as like a, a construct, like that was something that was, you know, basically created in disorder. And I feel like, you know, in the future we could, especially with more like companies, um, you know, that have more oversight, I think there could have, you know, there could be more order in the future, mm -hmm. but as far as like general human life, I don't know. It's And yeah, yeah. so we look at, we look at our, the complex things which we've created, computers, the internet, and those things are really incredible. They're genius things, but they came from what is vastly more complex, what is vastly more um, ununderstandable, which is our, our brain, like our mind, like the mind of a man is far more complex, although we don't use it very well, but it is vastly more complex than what we can even model. Like we don't understand ourselves completely. Even the, uh, the brain of a bee is more effective than a Cray computer. So, I mean, that that level of complexity found within nature, although we're replicating it, and I think we're replicating it semi-okay decently, like we're, we're trying and we're replicating it to the point of practicality, that doesn't necessarily mean that like the human condition is improving. So I'm actually interested to know, like, what is your, like, what is your philosophical standpoint? Like, what do you see, what do you see the human condition as being like, what is the human condition? You're going to be opening up a whole can of worms here. You don't know, know, you know the, get, the conversations that, listen, listen, to... this is the, I've had hours at work talking about these <laughs> kinds of things before. And I'm telling you right now, we're not on track. Buddy, for any so sort of three hours later, yes. later. Buddy, yes. and we'll have convers Buddy and I will have conversations like this that literally last like eight hours. An entire yeah. shift. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. impressive. That but, is pretty cool. I, 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 I just want to, uh, I want to make sure, because when we say the human condition is improving, we have to make sure I'm not, we have a, we all agree on the same idea of what is improvement in the human condition. So Ryan does not have like a, a Christian standpoint, like his mm -hmm. view on things. That's fine. And so I, I think 
kind of from that perspective, mm -hmm. I would say pretty much like whatever you think mm -hmm. or I think he would be like just the opposite of that. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, just, uh, I, I think I, that's valuable. Yeah. That's totally, that's totally fine. I'm not going to argue against that. Although actually I would love to, if we want to talk <laughs> theology, I would love to evangelize if I can. But, uh, the, the I, I would, I do want to know, like if, uh, we, we do have to agree on the same standpoint if we want to have any kind of, like if we understand, if we want to understand what we are talking about, we like have the to, terminology. Yeah, we have to understand the terminology, and we both have to agree on an absolute truth. Like there has to be, if there is no absolute truth within, if we don't agree on that, there is absolute truth, and there is absolute, um, I guess, per, or improvement. Like there is such a thing as improvement. To have an improvement, you kind of have to have a goal, and you kind of have to have mm -hmm. a starting point. So, we have to agree that where we were was less desirable and less good from an absolute standpoint and then where we're going where we're progressing to is more desirable and is more good what i think right now we've definitely improved from before oh yeah now i think we're in a point where like past can diverge mm -hmm. diverge like we might end up getting worse but i think we could also improve if we make the right decisions and when, and when you say we do you mean like we universally as mankind yes okay so um so if, if you say improve i'm guessing do you mean we're talking like uh moral improvements or well just... in multiple different ways like moral technological technological so more living con more convenience more health more uh more happiness. Yes. More happiness. We're getting away from loot boxes and away from all that sort of thing and more into, you know, better yeah. future. Of, you know, I yeah. think luxury lets us afford to look more into ourselves than yeah. like before where we had to just fight for our survival and not think about it too much, yeah. which I think can be a good thing. Hmm. I think luxury is, uh, well, interesting. So the word luxury is actually the same word, the same word as lust. Which is interesting. I, I, I don't know why I bring that up. The word luxury, the original Latin. Is that true? Yeah. L luxury. Fact check that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to look it up, it's the same origin. The same origin of the same Latin word is used for both. Uh, basically, there's mm. the sin of luxury, which is lust. Mm. Just interesting thing thrown out there. That's not, I'm not saying you're using that wrong. Uh, but uh, so, luxury, I do think that there is luxury is a I certainly, I don't want it to go away from my life, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't necessarily find any improvement in, if we're talking historically, we've gotten better at doing evil. Like we've, the humankind in the 19th century has killed more people than we ever could have in the previous, however But there's many. been more people. That's true. You know, that's a really good point. There's yeah. a good, that, that is an excellent point. There has been more people. Um... There is, though, I guess, I. There, there is a general trend towards more, more evil men, I find. Uh, I guess not more cruel men, definitely more sadistic men. The very invention of the serial killer was something which we didn't have until, well, the 19th century uh well, the serial killer are we sure about that i mean we've just been documenting it we yeah. don't know there could be people who are very much like serial killers even farther back well but. there's one story i was yeah. reading about a german serial killer who was a highway robber who um i don't remember how pe many people he was responsible for killing um 
but he was, I think, according to mythology, like the first serial killer. But that's uh, that's not quite like what I'm discussing. That's not quite... the term though. Serial killer wasn't invented until like the 70s. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So like the the very idea of a serial killer, although we nowadays are, love categorizing so much that like yeah. with, with the term of, for example, the term of a bastard sword wasn't invented mm. until recently either, because people used to just call things the word which they had, which is like, oh, that's a sword. That, that's a killer. He's a murderer. Uh, I, th- I do think like the concept existed though of like people, I, I don't yeah. think like the, I guess this is kind of best what we're saying. I think people's actions and mm-hmm. kind of like the outside effects change. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective, they can slowly improve or get worse. Yeah. But in terms of like the internal condition of the heart of where people ultimately lie, what they would do if they could, or, you know, if things were exposed and biblically speaking, that's, you know, when things come to light, that's what we talk about. I always think that has always sort of been the same kind of like what you're talking, like people have always had like selfish and evil Mm -hmm. desires. And there's been times in life where it's more culturally acceptable to repress those and don't bring them to light. Right now we're kind of in a state where it's like, you know, you can just go pretty much do whatever you want and, you know, we shouldn't. And that's happened in the past too, like Rome at different periods. Um, yes, yeah, I'm just saying law, that because now right. we don't have to struggle to survive. We can internally look into ourselves more than we yeah. could have back then. You know, this is that's an, true. This brings that's, up an, that's uh, I'm just go ahead. Oh, sorry, an interesting point because like during COVID, one of the things that I had so much free time, I didn't have to worry about like work or mm-hmm. anything. I did like a lot of introspection, just kind of thinking. It was probably one of the most like just unhappy periods of my life. <laughs> yeah, you know. So is that necessarily a, is the elimination of all like strife in life, you know, through technology and getting rid of the need to kind of work, is that necessarily a good thing mentally for people? And I think that's why well, I think we, really we need think people who understand the human condition in order to help others work through it. Too, that's a great point. Which, uh, actually, like understanding is half the battle. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to know ourselves. Um, but there's, there's kind of a difficult thing. I'm a... I am a painfully introspective person, and I introspect way more than I want you to. You don't say, Robbie. I never would have guessed from talking <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah. I, and the problem is, is that when you're introspecting, you are thinking about yourself. And so, in a very real sense, you are putting yourself first. You are not being focused on others, but focused on yourself. And pride, that self-focus, that self-conceit, is the origin of all, basically all evil. According to theology, at least Christian theology, it was the first sin. It was Satan's sin. That was the first thing was pride, setting yourself up, setting yourself up because you are yourself as above all else. And um, and I recognize that although we look outside and we think that person, let's say that person killed somebody because he was angry. But most of the time, the origin of that sin is pride, not actual anger. Lust is usually not the origin. It's pride. Pride is the thing that allows you to set yourself up above the moral law. Um, same with people like the those who we all agree who are vastly more wealthy than they could possibly spend. The people who want power for the sake of having power are people who are proud. The people who like that is the telltale sign of pride is you want to be able to play with other people well, if they're I think really yeah. those kind of people aren't really like aren't that intelligent because money isn't doesn't actually equal true power in my opinion because if you think about it money only holds value because others recognize it 
Mm-hmm. So people like Jeff Bezos, really, he couldn't oper- operate if everyone just decided that his money meant nothing. He doesn't have true power. People give him that power. That's not quite accurate because he also has land and he's, because he's... Yeah, but uh, people, really recognize that. Right. <laughs> people recognize that as his land. If no. people chose not to recognize it, he has no real power. So power, all this power that people have are just others recognizing it's perceived. it. That's a good point. Right. And it's... so the truth is that no man really has much power at all in yep. fact you don't even have power over your own body at any moment some kind of crippling disease might separate your mind from your body and you're just stuck there trapped inside your own body it's only what so i think people give these you. people right. yeah. who have all this money are people who don't actually recognize it mm-hmm. so i really don't think you know the just because okay so just because that it's not true power in the sense of absolute power does not make it not power and uh one thing that is very recognizable throughout history is that those people who have the power, like those people who have the power, will abuse it. Like those who, those people who willingly seek out that power, and even though it's, we both agree it's not absolute, they'll use it effectively. Like Hitler, at any moment, could have been ousted. People tried to kill Hitler. There was lots of times where people tried to assassinate Hitler. Countless but attempts. now Hitler's known as one of the worst people ever. See, one of the worst. And then the same with Stalin, same with Mao Zedong, same with Pol Pot. All these people, mm. although they didn't have technically absolute power, were still able to use their unabsolute but power. If I had that power, I'd want my name to continue through the generations in a good way, which means I would, in order for me to use it effectively, mm-hmm. I would help benefit others because that's the only true way to. They thought they were. The, I mean, that's the like evolutionary theory, and actually Margaret Sanger, the beginner of Planned Parenthood, was the person who inspired Hitler to exterminate the Jews, because he believed that that was the viral gene, that that was like the bottom, like he had a list, like let's not, let's not all think that the Jews was his only target, there was also the blacks, there was also Asians. So the the Japanese Arab, alliance was like real families, you know. From I really I do think that this is like a a great conversation to to yeah. follow down and kind of yeah. path upon. But I also think that we have like thirty yeah, questions. We've we been on this for like an hour now, but we do have to cycle through into probably some less. Yeah. Just you know, let's go ahead. I like how we went from MMA. Yeah, to- I know. I, know. I, I keep looking over here. All right, let's let's go to something a little more lighthearted. Yeah. So speaking of technology. Apple or Android and why? So mm-hmm. you're and okay, so Ryan's Android, <laughs> Robbie's Apple, I'm Apple, and Buddy's Android. So where are two and two? Uh I think yeah. Android has better specs. I think people who get apples are really just trying to follow a trend. <laughs> I'm Apple, but I'm happy. <laughs> so what uh Ryan, what phone do you have currently? Well, I don't have that great of a phone in all honesty. Well, okay, what but... would be like your your if you had to pick like an Android phone, what would your like dream phone be? Like a Pixel two like a Pixel two or three or Yeah, probably. Probably, yeah. Um, I also just have a lot of stuff on Android. I don't know if I, like, with the Google Play Store, I bought a bunch of stuff through that. I don't know if I'd want to switch to Apple now and lose all that stuff. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's like the it's like the whole, like, PlayStation versus Xbox, yeah. like, argument. It's like yeah. both are attached to their perspective pla- platforms and, like, jumping would be, like, too much of a switch. And so both are, like, extremely comfortable. I don't know, buddy, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? uh on apple versus android not on playstation yeah no, no it's not you know, i'm uh <laughs> that's a blood war <laughs> everybody pull out their ship i'll be honest in terms of like technical specs what they can do like you're talking to about a five-year-old here i don't i don't <laughs> understand what they're capable of doing so i look at things and if i like the design of it i'll buy it mm. and i think apple phones look cooler and i also would like to have an apple card because mm. i see a lot of those and i think they're pretty neat 
So I see no would, one with an Apple card. Like dude, literally no dude, one. Dude, I see they're tight. They're really? like all metal. Yeah, I dropped one the other day and it clanked and I was like, what was that? I'm just I was, so I was real sick impressed. of Apple's releasing and like they have like one small new feature yeah. and into that, yeah, it will be double what the last one is. And I'm like, I'm no. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. So my opinion, yeah. I'm Apple, but I'm happy. If, if, if you were to ask me what my favorite phone would be, I would say Carrier Pigeon. Because <laughs> I, I, All right, I truly, like, honestly, it's like, that was the most original. I was into carrier pigeons before they were using pigeons. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't like how much control my phone has over me. I also mm -hmm. don't like the ability it has to surveil me. Right, but you've given it control. Yes, I did. And I kind of regret that. And so now I've invested so much time and resources into it and I use it so much that I really, I, I do enjoy the convenience. I can listen to a lot of audiobooks really easily. Also music very easily. I don't use it so much for, um, for communication because I don't have social media. I've eliminated that, but I do use the texting, which is really great. Calling, of course, it's very important nowadays. And it's almost a necessity now. Like you almost have to have a phone to be a functioning member of society. So that's a different question. I don't really like Apple though. I think Apple is, um, it's just a system I'm used to. I think the user interface is easier to use than Android. Although I recognize that the specs are undoubtedly worse. They are overpriced. It's a name brand. It's like buying Gucci. It's just a waste. It's a huge waste. You're, yeah, you're basically buying a Supreme t-shirt. It's like, there's nothing that's actually valuable about this. It's just perceived value. It's nothing, nothing intrinsic within the item is actually valuable. It's just an icon. You know what I would do if I was Apple and you bought like a, like a carrier pigeon? <laughs> just I, I would still surveil on you. I, I, would, I, would, I would buy I would buy like a falcon and, and train it to kill his pigeon and intercept its messages <laughs> and bring it back to me. So I would still find a way to surveil on you. Yeah, just, it would be I, they probably cooler. would. Yeah, yeah they probably like poison my pigeon or something like that. <laughs> Make it all sick. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. The thing is, and, and it's also just not universal to Apple though. Like all phones are tools for surveillance mm -hmm. if they need if they wanted to do it because of a bulk collection like all kinds of different agencies all kinds of different people out there have the ability to i'm not saying they are i don't know if no they, they are, probably are but they, they <laughs> undoubtedly, undoubtedly people are there's un undoubtedly data miners out there and um i think it's it's immoral to do that but uh i recognize that it's happening and it is something like you say it's a choice we make to basically make our information available I do hope one day to get away from using my phone as much as I do. Um, and I'm, I really enjoy and I'm very proud of the steps I've taken to eliminate it. Yeah, I think um, social media is like a big one of those. Yeah. Um, one thing that I will say about Apple is uh, I'm a big Apple user only because of what they term the ecosystem. So basically, an uh, ecosystem is like you have a series of different products and they all communicate well together and they help you in whatever you need to use them for. And basically what happens is you get locked into that ecosystem. It's similar to like Adobe or any other like suite of platforms. Like they, they're great and they all work Microsoft. together, but like you can't diverge or change. Yeah. Like Microsoft. Um, yeah, like yeah, like Microsoft. Microsoft, Microsoft yeah. is the worst defender because at least Apple makes their products well. Microsoft does not even <laughs> pretend to anymore. They just recognize, all right, we've got a monopoly. We basically beat the competition out with a stick. Like we or are Amazon. good. Amazon's the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Although Amazon is a little bit nicer because at least they try to please their customer. Microsoft does not try. 
Yeah, they don't. They don't care. They don't. Uh, and then, like, I guess the other thing I would say is I'm like a huge design nerd, and so I, I understand Apple's want to, like, make things perfect regardless of like the actual functionality of it. So, like, for instance, like, um, like you know, they want to put a certain functionality into their phone, but oh no, it, it would make the phone too thick. So then they don't they don't implement it, or they implement it in a different way that would make it thinner. Like it's always the the functionality of it is to serve the aesthetic and not the other way around, which doesn't make sense for most people because mm-hmm. most people they want like the practical use of that yeah. item. So if they you know if they buy a phone, they want it to have these specific specs, and so then they get mad when like the front facing camera is like a lower resolution than like the back facing camera or like you know any of yeah. these like no small audio things. jack yeah. right yeah I, uh yeah actually that is like a you know I, that's a huge thing for me it's like why are you not making reverse compatibility i think reverse compatibility is the most basic principle to have like make it's a, new that's stuff. a money thing though yeah but i mean i just think it's i think it's ethical i don't know i don't necessarily think it's a matter of uh it's a matter of like i I should just make new stuff and make people buy my new stuff. I think it's a matter of like, it's just ethical to not have that go to waste. Could you, you know, imagine giving that during like a board pitch meeting in corporate Apple? But guys, what about ethics? You're like, Robbie, <laughs> ethics. <you're> done. <laughs> ethics, uh, you're so cute. That's why we keep you yeah. around. So you say stupid stuff like that. The one meme where the guy suggests something and just gets <laughs> oh, thrown yeah. out the window. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh my. And this can be done for basically every major corporation right now and every major, um, Every major player, especially I think in entertainment and culture mm. right now, like Disney, mm. at, at what point is there, is there anybody in this process who's like, yeah, guys, but what about ethics? Why don't we make some original content for once? And then they look over to him and they execute him promptly because that's just, you know, against their entire policy. Yeah. <laughs> May our Disney overlords love and protect us. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just here for Marvel. I'm just here for Marvel. Just here for Marvel. Well, I think we we beat that dead horse uh, long enough. <laughs> what are you guys' thoughts on cult films? Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll kind of have to like um, say what what a cult film is yeah. because not everyone is like privy to that. Um, don't, Ryan, don't, Ryan, don't you, work out. Oh, okay, you sound like you wanted. To, uh, so, so I would classify a cult film as something that isn't necessarily like immediately popular right off the bat, but over time it gains like a following. Okay. So for cult films, my, I guess my definition of a cult film would be something like a movie that had come out like a long time ago, but it didn't immediately have like a mass appeal. It wasn't like immediately successful, but then Mm. became successful later on and like developed a a fan base. That's what I would categorize it as. I know that some people categorize cult films as being films that aren't necessarily good films from a technical standpoint, but that people still love for, you know, nostalgic reasons or whatever reasons. I like a third definition too um, about cult films because there's some films which almost literally have a cult around them. Like Rocky Horror Picture Show has like a cult. That that's a cult film. Like people go and have these weird rituals they do and they go to the theater and watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. You'd say a cult film is something that uh was originally not that popular but grew popularity way later on yeah yeah people appreciate it later mm. do you guys have like favorite yes cult movies by like yeah. those definitions i or your don't definition? know if this one i think this one gained popularity later on but i don't know for sure uh do you know attack on the attack on 
I think Attack on the Block has John Boyega in it. It's a. Uh, it's an invasion. Uh, John Boyega. It, like, it, it was before he little, was in Star Wars. It's like those monsters, right? The little ones like the little monkey there. things. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah, I know it is about. so funny. <laughs> it it's like it's a comedy. Essentially, these like guys who are in the hood get attacked by these aliens just as fall from meteorites, and it just becomes a survival situation where like <laughs> instead of it making it like super like a. Uh, like, uh, oh no, they're going to win or whatever. These guys just come up with baseball bats and just go, get out of my neighborhood and just go, bam. Yeah. <laughs> it's got Nick Frost. Nick, Nick Frost? Frost. Oh yeah, because it's the UK. Because John Boyega is, is from yeah. the United Kingdom. Oh yeah. He just puts on I love American his accent, accent, by the way. Yeah. It's, I really so, like it's such a funny accent. film. I love it. <laughs> I always just think of him like being stupid. And what, what, what was the last Star Wars called? Yes. Or whatever one, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. He got, he got gypped. Uh, he got gypped, in my he just, opinion. He's just like, what's he's going on? He's a good, he's a good, actor. He's he's a good really actor. actor. And you know, so is Oscar Isaac. Yeah, Apparently Oscar from... Isaac is a phenomenal actor. I'm looking forward so much to this Dune movie, which is coming out. The, Same. The two-part thing. I'm just looking forward to it. Apparently, from what I've heard, that, um, that John Boyega's character was supposed to have a bigger role, but he got on the nerves of one of the directors, so they kind of like were like, we're going to make your role smaller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems the way they set him up in the first movie, they like it, he was the most important character. He was and definitely the And Ray was almost a secondary <laughs> character. Yeah. But uh, they changed that, and, you know, they get to live with their choices because... They've earned the hatred. I hope they just retcon. They retcon through the Mandalorian. That's what I hope for. Like it's just like these are just like an alternative history. That's what. <laughs> that's what I hope happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any cult films? Yes, one I do. I have so many cult films which I really, really enjoy. <laughs> well, let's hear it. Number one, It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Did not succeed when it first came out. Didn't win Oscar. That's true. It was kind of like not much known about, but it is without a doubt one of the greatest films ever made. Princess Bride also did not succeed. Terribly marketed when it first came out. One of the greatest films ever made. I love it to death. The best sword fight in film history. (laughs) Uh, There are some other films I can think of. I don't know if this is so much of a cult film. I don't know how it did when it came out, but Galaxy Quest. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. Galaxy Quest. I'll I'll give it to you. Yeah. Yeah, Galaxy Quest, also a really good movie uh, and kind of a cult film. There aren't so many of the famous cult films, which I enjoy. I don't enjoy The Room. I don't enjoy Rocket Horror Picture Mm -hmm. Show. And... I haven't seen all of either, so that's that's one of the reasons. <laughs> the room. The, I guess, yeah. yeah I Not to like, be confused with Room, which is actually a good movie. Yeah, Room is good. Also very sad. One of the most sad movies that I've ever seen. Uh, the only good movie with Brie Larson. I think I think with the hard thing with the, the Room is that it's almost entirely based around the actual screenings. So you can't go to a screening, a screening where everyone is throwing spoons at the state. <laughs> like, if you can't go to one of those screenings, you're not going to understand like the appeal. Like, if you just yeah. watch it by yourself, you're not going to understand the appeal. And so is apparently Rocky Horror Picture Show. People yeah, throw it's the right same the way. Screen. People like, yeah, yeah, people dress up and like as the characters, and it's like it's like a more of an experience or like an event. That's, than they put the anything. cult in cult films. Like that's that's the cultish part of it, where they literally are, like following this film. But uh, yeah. the other films are just films which didn't succeed at first, but yeah. later were appreciated. Sharknado. Like everyone. <laughs> yeah. Sharknado is... I'm still wrapping my head around the economics of Sharknado, how they keep on making these films, because they yeah, make them so... now? Like six or seven or something? Well, what they do is like, it's okay, so no, most films, people are like, we want to make a good movie. So we get as big a budget as we can, we make as good of a movie as we can, it's and then the we opposite. sell it. And then with Sharknado, it's like, 
we're not going to make a good movie. No, we've resigned ourselves to the fact that we're not going to make a good movie. And so they get the least amount of budget they can do to get, like, to get to get their product made. That's what, I mean, that's what horror movies do. Yeah. That's literally then, the industry behind horror movies. And then they just throw it out there and enough people buy it to get, like, the profit margin. Because what they're going for is the profit margin, not for lasting effect, artistic value, any of that, you know, petty stuff. I yeah. think when, I when love you horror start movies. trying to make Same. it a cult movie or, like, a meme and you specifically direct it, it it's like trying to force a meme, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's not really going to work. And the first Sharknado was kind of like that. Yeah. And then everything following it was felt kind of... Pixels is a great yeah. example of trying to market a meme. Oh, and it does not work. That was work. terrible. Yeah, that was an can't... awful movie. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Sandler has been in 40 movies. Two of them were good. The man is my just inspiration. He never gives up. That man just goes out there and still keeps trying. <laughs> the remote, it, so. what, are the, what are the two? <sighs> like, okay, I'll tell you, actually. The Waterboy. Uncut, uncut Gems. Yeah, Uncut Gems, and... Waterboy. No, no. Yes. Punch Chuck Love. Am I right? Uh, I guess two Have, half, you, you, have you seen it? Yeah, it's okay. He's, <laughs> I've made it's it Adam life. Sandler. Like. I've made it my life mission to watch as few Adam Sandler movies as I can. <laughs> yeah. After watching Pixels, I'm like, all right, I've given up. You know, there is one scene in, like, uh, I think it's Happy Gilmore. That, yeah. That makes me laugh. And I think it's when he's, like, at the... He, he has to, like, give an explanation for, like, how the government works. And it shows, like, this montage of him, like, explaining it. And, like, his teacher's super happy of him. And then, like, the guy who's asking the question is, like, that was the most just incoherent, <laughs> rambled nonsense I've heard in my entire life. And we are all worse for hearing it. Good day, sir. And you stand that, that part makes me laugh. But, yeah. Oh, man. In terms of... Uh, I was going to say, buddy, do you have any? Yeah, I think uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. I just watched yeah. that. I didn't realize movie. that's a cult film. Because actually, now that I think about it, it didn't get much reception. But mm. watching it again, like that is really a good movie. I I, yeah. I was kind of like, I watched it and I was like, oh, that's that's a good movie. It's probably not going to affect me later. And it's like Messes five well. hours without sleeping. I'm like, <laughs> is that the cat? <laughs> is it a cat? <laughs> so I, I guess my dad first, when he watched it for the first time, um, he turned on like during the scene with the, the snow dogs. And he mm. thought it was just like, a National Geographic documentary about snow dogs not watching it because it just shows him like laying down, mm -hmm. and then you know like it starts to transform. He's just like, yes, what go, what, what's going on with those snow dogs down there? Like, uh, like that's those are not some normal ones. National <laughs> 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 Geographic yeah. and their, and their uh, relentless pursuit the, the to show the weirdest parts of nature. Yeah, they're crazy snow dogs in there, but <laughs> it's like this demon dog turning into a monster, and the National Geographic cameraman just capturing <laughs> it. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah, I guess uh, that's. I feel like you are the go-to guy for movies. Like of all my friends, when I ask camera, like, what's a good movie to watch? I think I just have two. Uh, there's there might be more, uh, but I'm kind of blanking. So the two are uh, Blade Runner, the first Blade Runner. Mm, yeah, uh, I love like the whole like Blade Runner aesthetic. Yeah, I love the 2017 film. I guess you could classify the 2017 film as technically part of the same but the first one is most definitely a cult film just because yeah. of like the just the length like when it was released and like nowadays yeah. like people still watch it so i would say that one and donnie darko which i'm a big fan of i know that some people don't like it they don't either they don't understand it or they don't like that it's so long like that's as long as it is mm -hmm. but it's got like good depth and it's probably the most unique time travel movie I think that I've seen and just all the performances are good and it's got like a good mythology and yeah, I don't know. I just, I like it a lot. There's one movie, uh, 
have you, I don't know if you guys have watched it. I'm pretty sure it didn't succeed so much in the box office. It, I think I watched it on a plane. And you know if it's on a plane. It's like, it's one of those movies. So like either. That's like the worst place to, to yeah. experience a well, movie. I first watched it on a plane, but it was so good. Actually, I think it was, I was going with a family member. The family member was watching it. They're like, wow, this is really good. You should watch this. I'm like, I watched it. And then we ended up having to watch it in a normal experience because it was that good. It was even on a plane. It was enjoyable. So uh, it was really good. It's called Anthropoid. It's uh, oh yeah yeah with Killian Murphy yeah with Killian Murphy yeah. I really liked that movie. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a thriller slash action, but it's um, it's it's really really intense, and it's about this assassination attempt to kill Reinhard Heydrich by these uh, Czech paratroopers, and it is without a doubt one of the best films that came out of uh, I think 2014 it's like it was one of those years which wasn't super great I think yeah, it was either 14 or 15 I think it was yeah I think I know one that qualifies then um Treasure Planet it didn't do good in box office apparently <laughs> we're talking about the the Disney one yes the it, I yeah. love that one as yeah. a kid that was one of yeah. my favorite films and I I you know I was reading up on it and it didn't do good at all and I was mm. like why it's <laughs> it's amazing it's some it's that's the same thing with uh with both, I guess it's a wonderful life wasn't so much, but uh, with uh, Princess Bride, like Princess Bride, almost everybody loves it. There are very few people who watch the Princess Bride, which I've met, and are like, "Wow, that's a stupid movie." It's so witty and it's funny and it's well done, and the flow is very unique and entertaining that people really enjoy it. It's memorable. It's a memorable movie, but because it was so badly marketed, it just w failed at the box yeah. office. It failed almost historically. Like it's. Oh yeah. my gosh, I just had a realization. Charlie's Angels will become a cult classic. <laughs> if people start watching Charlie's Angels, Dear but God. they won't though. Which one? The new one? The or new the... one. The one which failed so historically at the box yeah. office. What were yeah. they like 18 million deficit or something that like was that? Terrible. Well, I guess the other interesting question about cult films is like, does it still classify as a cult film if it has gained a ton of popularity? Uh, because I think there are a lot of movies which are cult films, but this they, they have popularity, but it's more of like a niche following than mm. like mass following so like the princess bride yeah like does that still qualify because now it's almost universally loved you know that's a good point i think it does i think it's the hipsters that are just against it like they're yeah. like ah oh, no no it's gotta be in the little circle we have you know yeah. like no no it's a cult film if it did bad when it first came out but yeah i think that's probably the best way of defining it i guess cult films are the ones now, technically, I think we might have a different word for it because cult films, I was always under the impression, are the ones that are a cult. Like, they, they, they have their own kind of following where people, it's like a niche group, which is like this cult that follows yeah. this film. Now, uh, I think it might be different if you just have a film which doesn't necessarily have its own following per se, but it's just reevaluated later and found to be really, really good. Now, I, I think I agree with that um, definition of it. Yeah. So I think we should probably like keep them in the same group because yeah. I think some of these probably started out as like a cult. It's a wonderful life. Like there were some people watching old movies like it's a wonderful life. It's so, so good. And that was originally a niche following. I know in my family, it was like a tradition to watch it every single Christmas season. Like you have to watch it if otherwise you're not you know, going to be part of the family anymore. Uh, and so I think there is kind of a cult behind even these more widely accepted ones. You know, another great Fair movie enough. is um, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Chipwreck. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Hold on. Hold All right. Get out. 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 Go back to your cult. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> 
I actually wish I could remember, because I know I've watched a lot of movies which are cult classics, and I have enjoyed them, but I just don't remember them. I guess a lot of Mel Brooks films, Young Frankenstein, I don't think Young Frankenstein did that well in the box office, Mm. but I'm not absolutely certain. Like, there's some of these films which were not super successful, but they ended up becoming classics. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, also, like, if a film was very popular, and then it becomes even, like, exponentially more popular years later... Does that cause? Because I think of like The Shining, for example. Yeah. I'm not sure how popular it was when it came out, but it's super I, popular. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah really. Or popular. Monty Python, anything. Yeah. Monty Python. It was like it was popular. Like it was popular. Like people watched it, but then it became so much of a cult. Like there's so much following behind that. It's its own fandom. You know, it's become its own fandom, even though it's not really a franchise. So uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. Hmm. You can either define cult films by like cult films who have a cult or films which proved themselves beyond their box office. Yeah. And so I guess we got to choose which one. Yeah. And so by that definition, I think The Shining would be a cult film along with A Clockwork Orange. Mm. Um, but Dr. Strange. You know, that's just that's just like a, Doctor, uh, I feel like a Kubrick thing. I was a little bit asking where, Kubrick where, did A Clockwork Orange, right? He's yeah. Fun. That guy's yeah. a genius, man. He does awesome movies. And Stanley I think Kubrick. the thing yeah. about Kubrick is that he, he made movies to his vision but like no one else, at least back then, like no one else understood his vision. And so a lot of his movies were universally panned when they were released because people either didn't understand them or they were too controversial or too, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, people just like wrote him off and didn't like his movies. But then like now, you know, we, we recognize Kubrick as like, you know, one of the fathers of like cinema. Yeah. Although... I would say more of the creepy uncle of cinema because I mean, like some of his stuff, like Eyes Wide Shut, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. or like even Clockwork yeah, Orange. He was, he was is like, there's a lot of this part which is like, yeah, okay, we get to see the artist, and the artist is a horrible, horrible person. But you know, yeah, Alex is like literally the worst, but he's yeah. the protagonist. That guy um, almost ruined Singing yeah. in the Rain for me. <laughs> he yeah. almost did. Let's oh, that's actually it. another one. So Singing in the Rain. Oh, here's another one. Singing in the Rain uh, was kind of panned because it wasn't, like, it it succeeded, but it didn't have the same kind of success which it ought to have had because considering its value, because it came out the same year as April, no, is April in Paris? No. American in Paris. In American in Paris, I don't know if you guys ever saw that one. Exactly. An American Werewolf in London? No. (laughs) No, that is another cool classic. Uh, So, An American in Paris, it was a great musical, huge budget, and it was like a big production piece. And so people really liked that one. That one won the Oscar. But the one that endured, no, you guys don't even know what the American Paris is, but the one that endured is Singing in the Rain. Like, everybody Mm. likes Singing in the Rain. That was the same year, even the same actor, Gene Kelly. Hmm. Uh, And same with uh, It's a Wonderful Life. It, It didn't... It's more enduring than the one which actually won the oscar the one that became best picture yeah even though it was like runner up so, yeah yeah it's weird how that works how like what's best of the time is not like what has a, the longest longevity yeah you guys remember shape of water yeah i thought it was somehow connected to hellboy at first because of the look of the uh, yeah <laughs> oh, my is that you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. man Guillermo del Toro. You know, I wonder how much of the Hobbit Guillermo del Toro is responsible for. Uh, you know, you know what? Speaking of the the Hobbit, yeah, um, there are several recuts of the Hobbit where they take the three movies and they basically strip out all the unnecessary stuff and edit it into one like three and a half hour movie. Oh, what? It's very very good. Where would is you find it? Actually, good. Where would you find it? But 
uh nowhere uh, legally <laughs> i mean there's there's sites where you can like download someone's cut of it but it's like not super high quality yeah um so you'd either have to again find it somewhere wink wink or you you could just take one of the recuts and you could just recut it uh yourself if you have skill doing that and then when there's gaps in the story like if there's something which you just had to fill in a gap you just have like a 12 year old reading the hobbit into like a call of duty mic that is like a, a super interesting thing though like where people take uh movies and they either recut them to like you know what they mm -hmm. think their like cut of the movie is or or, or they just recreate it entirely yeah like there was that indiana jones uh it was like a, it wasn't like a student film but it was like an indie project where they basically remade the entire movie basically using like amateur like actors and they had like a super low budget and it's on i think it's on youtube you can go and watch it really um there's also like the princess bride remake where celebrities yeah. from like all over the world during covid like recreated the movie by doing like each person would like do a small bit and then they like strung all the bits together mm -hmm. it's not very good but it is entertaining yeah, yeah. Well, there's uh what's the justice league snyder's cut that i was gonna say i just saw that that was released right it's awesome because they took a lot of scenes that had like unfinished cgi and they actually finished it i wish more movies did that uh at a cost though yeah. yeah, it was super costly for them to. I don't remember what it was, but it was like, in, it was in the billions for them to take all of that footage, recut it, add CGI. So when you say redo CGI, I think what you mean is do Final. CGI, like actually yes, either create or finalize. Yeah, because it's like they didn't even try with that. I, I've seen yeah. like PS3 games <laughs> that have way better CGI. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I he's got a mustache. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> you know what? Maybe that's not. I'm okay with it because the Mission Impossible movie he was in was actually pretty good because yeah. of that. Yeah. So if the sacrifice was, was for Justice League, then I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. Taking. The I think ball. it's an unpopular opinion, but Fallout, Mr. Impossible Five, yeah, I think was one of the best movies of, of 20. I mean, there was a lot of good movies of 2019. Mm. I really? I I okay, Ryan. What, I what really did you like about? I fell asleep. Contrarian. I fell asleep during it. But that's one of the movies. Yeah, it's one of the few that's movies I've fallen asleep to. Usually movies manage to catch my attention. I don't even remember most of the plot at this point. I really don't. You, <laughs> you do know? have insomnia, don't you, though, where you can't sleep a lot of times at night? So maybe that helps. I don't. Don't play that. <laughs> just, just throw that out there. I've only fallen asleep during one movie, and it was uh, when I went to a theater, and I saw a double... I, saw, I did a double feature, uh, and <laughs> the theater was very dark. I was very comfortable and warm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I understand. Uh, I also don't even remember what the movie was that I fell asleep during. It was either, yeah, it wasn't that good or I don't yeah. know. And so, I, I understand that. Yeah, I know. I, okay, I mean, so. I'll, I'm, I'll rewatch it see if it if I have any different opinion to it. But the last time I watched it wasn't enough to like captivate me. So my friend Judah, he falls asleep during <laughs> movies all the time. It was the worst because I remember going to movies with him. Like his family would take me on their dollar to go see a movies. And I feel also really bad because the movies like we did go see, like every single one was absolutely horrible. They were like, either it was the second Godzilla movie, which Godzilla's like we all, awesome. like I wanted to pay them yeah. back because like, I'm so sorry. Or Captain Marvel. And then the one Oof. before that was X-Men Apocalypse. So like mm. a consistently bad trend of like, when we go to watch movies together, it's like we're watching a B-rated movie. But 
he could just sleep through everything. He slept through X-Men Apocalypse. I'm pretty sure he slept through Godzilla. Like, he sleeps through everything. And I don't understand how, because we're like, we're paying money to be here. Are you just paying money to sit in this really nice comfy seat? I think Godzilla 2 was not that bad, because Godzilla is one of those films that you just, you're supposed to turn off your mind. Like, you're just supposed to see giant monsters fight. Right. And, like, Godzilla 1 barely showed the monster. And Godzilla 2, they fixed that by being like, we're going to show him a bit more, show him I don't know why people were complaining about that. That was my favorite part. Like, that is the part which grounded the original Godzilla or the Godzilla 2014 one into reality. And that's what actually kept me engaged in the movie because Godzilla two, it just, it lost all scale and it lost all consequence. I mean, literally the main character, the person you're supposed to be rooting for was a mass murderer who's responsible for the deaths of millions. Talking about Godzilla? Godzilla, no, no. Godzilla the, the female protagonist who's also responsible oh, no, for like, I, I, I didn't care mm, I honestly cut I out the humans the just add yeah, monsters like, that's horrible. Yeah, I, I always grew up on the black and white ones as a kid yeah. like uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong mm. the original uh, uh, mm. there's Monkey. one where like there's a Godzilla that comes from space there's, that has like these little like oh yeah, yeah. Mecha Godzilla then there's Mecha Godzilla too the robot one what about the turtle guy Oh, Gamera. I and love that guy. He's cool. There were a few times my father would just turn off the English language and just be in Japanese. It wouldn't change the difference for me. I just want to see the monsters fight. And yeah. honestly, I still feel that way. Even though, like, there's a lot of mo- movies I like to think on. But, like, Godzilla is one of those things that I'm like, it's more of a spectacle than it is, like, a s- s- narrative. In, in the my words opinion. of uh, Ken Watanabe, let them fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think. I don't know. I mean, I guess it all kind of boils down to execution. I, I will agree with you that, that that part is way more interesting than the human part. I do really like Shin Godzilla, um, basically because it takes the best of both worlds. Like, you see the monster just, like, wreaking havoc, so it does have that element, but it also has a human element that isn't distracting and actually serves the plot really well. Which one? It's, so Shin Godzilla, it's, uh, it's a Japanese... It's Japanese... Okay. And uh, it came out in, I want to say, 2014. Yeah, something around there. Shoshin Godzilla. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it. Um, it's very it's It wasn't very the American one, right? No, 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 no. It's, yeah, you have to watch it in subtitles. Uh, but basically, Godzilla is seen as more of a force of nature, as similar to, like, the older movies. Yeah. You know, because you had, like, the original Godzilla, where he was sort of a metaphor for, like, the atomic, yeah. the atomic bomb. And he was more of, like, a force of nature than, like, something yeah. to... To be able to he wasn't with. personified yeah. right right which is probably um, the biggest mistake these new movies are making is trying to make you empathize with like a a, a mass murdering monster giant you know? dinosaur yeah like a, a giant dinosaur it's like yeah or like same with the jurassic park movies that they're coming out it's like are we oh, supposed gosh. to empathize with this lizard i i never felt empathy in the my, old movies it's like oh my gosh that velociraptor just like tore that guy's arm off what <laughs> No empathy yeah. there. Now it's like the touching the hand on the glass. Now, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. oh my word. Cringe. Do you guys remember that one movie, the second Jurassic World, where like yeah. she lets yeah. all the dinosaurs uh, out because like they're just like me. I was going to say, know, buddy, was... we went to see that. We, we, yeah, we did. It, yeah, it was so. us, right? Yeah, we went to see that. Uh, that was one of the big regrets of my I life. I love <laughs> yeah. the original Jurassic Park movies. Like I was almost going to say Jurassic Park 3 is one of like my my like cult favorites. Really? Interesting. And like yeah. the... The raptors, I used to be able to mimic them pretty well. <laughs> when they hey, do that. You want to do an impression? Show me buddy? Jurassic Park 3. What? You going to do an impression? Yeah, I'll do one. So like... <laughs> <laughs> now, now you can't do it. <laughs> 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 they're like... 
like calling noise and they like come at but then they're just kind of like they're like pet wolves in the third one and, yeah and he's like yeah following him in the butt it looks really stupid yeah i didn't like the new ones that much which is a bummer because i think they had a really good cast with the new jurassic world movies and they're the ip like the intellectual property that's a valuable franchise which they're yeah. using um but it's just too bad it's like bad writing can undermine the best of scenarios like if you have bad writing same with star wars great creative team like you have a great production team even good directors but if you have bad writing then it's just you're going nowhere yeah especially with like actors um you know you can give a somewhat mediocre actor like mm -hmm. good writing and it can be it can be fairly good yeah but it, even if you give like the best actor writing that is subpar that is not written well mm -hmm. there's no way that they're going to be able to take that and transform it into gold that's one of the reasons why i think people hate nicholas cage is because <laughs> now hear me out guys people, oh, no. people hate nicholas cage nicholas cage has proven himself to be a very good actor you guys have seen some of like he, the what is it is it sleepless in las vegas something like that no that's like sleepless in seattle no lost in las vegas or something like that Maybe just be like, anyway, he's played some parts. He's won Oscars. He's a good actor, but um, I think a lot of the faults which he's given is because of, like he's given really terrible writing. And Hayden Christensen's entire career has basically been. I'll agree with you on Hayden Christensen. I'm yeah. not going to agree with you on Nick Cage. I think the best Nick Cage movie is when he has the least amount of dialogue. Uh, <laughs> Mandy, yeah. Okay, that might that might be true. I, I haven't that. seen too many Nick Cage movies. He's like an ex more of an expressionary, would you say, kind of actor. He kind of he, he does actions pretty well, and he's good at having one look on his face and kind of going through the motions. And mm. when you try to give him dialogue, he sort of falls apart. He, he has like a physical actor, I would say. Well, you know that new movie he's in, like it's the Five Nights at Freddy's, whatever one. He he's yeah. totally silent, doesn't have any lines. So it might wait, be what? His... To the Five Nights at Freddy's? It's called movie? Uh, it's Willy's Wonderland. Willy's yeah, Wonderland. It's yeah, it's definitely FNAF. Yeah, Five Nights. Five night, yeah. It's yeah. basically it's, it's, it's the opposite where it's it's not the animatronics that are killing the humans, but it's the other way around. He's there to exterminate the animatronics and he's good at it. Yeah. Really? Wait, I didn't even know this was what it just came out. It just it, came out. Uh, I think it went straight to digital. Uh, basically the new uh, straight to DVD yeah. but um, yeah it's a 2021 movie is it good? I haven't watched it yet no, so we're gonna have to check it out to find out maybe uh -huh. it'll be a cult film <laughs> maybe you never know I mean it was a cult game right Friday Night at Freddy's uh sure yeah, it was definitely an indie game yeah. I'll give it that well, it, it got a lot of uh, really quick appreciation probably too much though probably killed it I think it got poisoned by the amount of like overly obsessive weird fan art it was because posted of the, online it was because of the weird. lore yeah, yeah. like so they tried creepy. to give it a lore and they tried to give it more of a story which and i i think is good like you have to give something the lore. depth for people to latch onto it but people went too far same with undertale yeah, yeah. the lore was good in the beginning for five nights of freddy and then they just started getting more convoluted well, as the games went on here's the like, thing so yeah. lore is good if you have the lore to begin with but if you're just making things up to try to make yourself seem more credible, audiences catch it on. Same, like this is a great example. J.K. Rowling is a great example of a writer who was uh, she was writing by the seat of her pants. Like she did not know what she was writing ahead of when she was writing it. There's a lot of inconsistencies within the stories of Harry Potter. There's a lot of times where it's like, yeah. wait a minute, how can a man be falsely imprisoned if they have truth serum? Like that's one yeah. great question. It's like how can you legally do that? 
Um, there's a lot of inconsistencies and it's bad writing, but it's because she didn't know that it was she didn't be successful know. when Hermione's she Hermione's time thing. She didn't know, like, <laughs> she didn't know when, uh, yeah, she just did not know what she was writing ahead of time. Now, if you want lore and consistency, go to Tolkien. Like, Tolkien is the king of lore and consistency. He has entire languages, which have their own rules for speaking. Yeah, he went a little overboard. Yeah, maybe uh, a little yeah, bit overboard. Yeah, I've read the Similarian. Oh, my gosh. I. But have you read the appendices? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, the, the reason that people enjoy Tolkien, and the reason people appreciate Tolkien, and the reason Tolkien is still held up as one of the greatest writers of all time, the reason why The Lord of the Rings is the second best-selling book in the 20th century behind the Bible, was because of his consistency and because of his his work. Like, he planned it out. It was um, it was creation all into itself. Whereas with, like, the lore of Friday Nights at Freddy's, they just made a good game, and then people were like, oh, this is really successful. Well, what made you think of it? And then they were like, oh, we have to come up with something really smart. Like, we have to come up with some really good story. Yeah. And people can tell when you're lying. And so, yeah. Do you think yeah. that's really, because, like, I think that's probably a part of it, but again, I think the the weird, creepy, like, the fan art. Yeah, people put him on about like, the, the fox doing, like, the whatever, like, sexy pose. And he's just, you know. There is, okay. I think that's probably what killed the game more there's, than anything. Like, there is, <laughs> there's a rule of the internet about that. Like, yeah. if it exists, there's weird, creepy fan art about it. Yeah. Yeah, and the sad thing, too, about that is that it can actually harm the games themselves. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys know about what happened to Undertale. Basically, so, have you guys played Undertale? I watched no, I, I played some of it. I know the meme, unfortunately. So what basically what happened is um, this guy, Toby Fox, created the game, created the music, did the programming, basically did everything mm -hmm. in it, and it was like a, a pretty big passion project of his. And, you know, he was he's like the typical like nerd gamer is like super like um you know he, he doesn't like, you know, being on social events and he doesn't like you know, taking a lot of like credit for his work. And so what happened is that, you know, it's, it's a good game. I would, I, I like it a lot personally, but what happened is that the community latched onto it too much and it grew into this thing that belonged more to the community than it belonged to him. Yes. And so as a result, what happened is he, one, he stopped making games permanently. He's never going to make another game again. No, he he and... actually is doing a sequel. Oh, is I, he? Delta Rune, really? I think is what it's called. Oh, snap. I didn't know that. So, yeah. There's, there's that's cool that. that's yeah. cool but yeah i mean it, for that part of his life like it, it really harmed him like psychologically and uh and really harmed the game as well like you can't if, if you tell someone like have you played undertale the first thing that they're going to think of is that like weird spin-off of a spin-off of a spin-off that is just like yeah it's yeah. it's insane well i think originally he he was going to do dlc for it and stuff like that and then after it just grew so big he was just like <laughs> like step away <laughs> he did i he did some like um like you know on different consoles there's some improvements on it but besides that he's pretty much backed away from it hmm. that's really sad to yeah. see uh the work of an artist ripped out of their hands or spoiled i actually that's what we're seeing to tolkien i mean right now yeah. we're talking about the amazon series they're gonna try to make what was the words? I remember reading an article about it. The first words they used to describe their series is something like, uh, I think, uh, diversity. Was like probably the first word. Make it. They're like, all right, about an English myth, we're going to make it diverse. Have like Game seen, of Thrones. Have you heard I think about they're the, going to get Game of Thrones. They're going to make it like Game of Thrones. Yeah, they're going to make Airbender live action adaption that mm -hmm. they're doing on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I've heard all but horrible Wait, another things. One? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
the creators were like brought on and I thought, oh, this is going to be good. They're actually bringing in the original creators. And, and then they, they left. left due to creative differences. And I, at that point, I'm like, nope, it's done. It's gone. Although at the same <laughs> yeah. time, okay, I, I do sympathize with the people who are trying to adapt because uh, with, without a doubt, I know I would if I had my own work and I was trying to protect my own work. Um, I would be really protective and I would probably handicap anybody who is trying to adapt it. So I think the best works of art are the ones which are adapted by the creators themselves. The Princess Bride is the only thing which I like the book as much as the movie and like add to an equal amount. And that's because the same writer wrote the screenplay who wrote the book, which is unique and you can't find that in many other situations. Um, but in other situations, there's that conflict. There's that fight. I don't know if you guys have seen yeah. Saving Mr. Banks. It's basically the the entire story is that fight over Mary Poppins. Like, yeah. I mean, what's the alternative? But, yeah, you, you have to finance it yourself, mm -hmm. and you're gonna put yourself in your grave because of all the stress. Yeah, like mm -hmm. it's either that or you go with a studio that is gonna micromanage everything I, that you. I do. think it's better if it they just. I mean, I'm a, of the opinion that as soon as you create something and you've profited off the main work, it should just become free use for like anybody to use. Maybe you take like a, um, what's the right word? Like you take a part of the money from mm. it, but anyone can adapt it because like, look at like, look at what's happening to Harry Potter now. I mean, the author is like, like all the weird things she's been posting about it. And then yeah, you've seen was... the cursed child. I mean, yeah. ugh, okay, no. so that's a great example though of, I mean, I could have read Harry Potter. I was like forbidden to, but I did eventually read Harry Potter. I made yeah. a deal like they would read Lord of the Rings with a friend and then I would read Harry Potter. How much did it shake your faith reading those books? <laughs> uh, <laughs> reading, reading those it's books, yeah. it shook my faith in human nature no, because no. I was like, how could this possibly become famous? I read it and I was so disappointed because it was so hyped up to me that I could not understand how it could possibly become famous, except for reading it at like a formational time in your life. Like if you're reading it like as a growing up kid, I can see why that'd be really important to you. Yeah. But besides that, if you read it as an adult, you would read it and be disappointed. Because if you read other like better literature, like if you read classics, then going to this, you would just be disappointed. Like uh, that's the only word that you can be used to describe it. It's just disappointing. It lets you down from the hype. Um, so it might have been like, I don't know, like Peter Rabbit books. Like it, 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 it belongs with Beatrix Potter. Harry Potter belongs with Beatrix Potter. No. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I think that that's a great example of like the, the source was already cursed from the beginning. Like Harry Potter was the way it was written because she didn't know, like she, because she didn't contain it from the beginning. She didn't know what she was writing when she wrote it. She just like was kind of flying from the seat of her pants. It's no surprise that she's still flying. Yeah, but I'm saying if it was something that was available to anyone to use, and I feel like I some agree. people could make actual real like, yes. golden product. And like, that's the one reason why Disney is still making live action movies mm -hmm. is because they every so often they have to make an adaption so that they can hold on to the copyright for that thing. That's the only reason why they remake why they're remaking these movies. But that copyright is so that they can retain the copyright. Yes, it will expire, but not for like a long time. Like the copyright laws are way too long. And every time they've almost expired, they've always extended well, it. Did you know Mickey Mouse is gonna expire in like three more years? They're probably gonna pass something to push it back further. Yeah. So I understand like why that copyright law Okay, here, here's the way I look at it. Like I think I don't necessarily plus think seventy plus years. Um, 
I, I think plagiarism should be in like should be prosecuted. I think plagiarism is a serious thing. Like to steal someone else's work and put it as your own. Mm. But little things like the name of a mouse and things like that, I don't really think count as plagiarism. Like that that's a the, the thing which we call copyright law nowadays is not serious plagiarism. Yeah. I think there are many cases of plagiarism nowadays which are not properly enforced because they don't fit the criteria of like, oh, you use that name, you use this thing. Mm -hmm. Think mm -hmm. about the Lion King. The Lion King, without a doubt, is, is also plagiarized. Is plagiarized. plagiarized. Like from yeah. not only that story, the Japanese version, I don't know if you yeah. guys have heard that, but then yes. also literally from Shakespeare. They're stealing it from Shakespeare. And so I don't mind them stealing from Shakespeare, most writers do, but, uh, and I think it's it's good like to draw on other writers yeah. and other creation, yeah. but, to draw on it with respect is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. if modern fantasy, if modern science fiction has taught me anything, it's that there is no respect for the original. It's not yeah. a matter of drawing on it. It's a matter of just respecting it. Look at um, Rosencrantz and... Gilders. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's a good, like... I, w I wouldn't say it's, like, an adaption, but it, it takes elements from Shakespeare and makes a new thing out of it versus just taking elements and making the same thing just with a different scale. Or uh, the complete works of William Shakespeare bridged, which <laughs> you guys would be surprised. I think it's actually quite a faithful, it's a very faithful to the original spirit of Shakespeare, which Shakespeare basically made shows to make a buck. So, Ryan, that's what, what are you really thinking? What are you thinking, well, Ryan? Yeah, like, <laughs> no, no, really no, 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 no. I, I was going to say, you're talking about like copyright laws and mm -hmm. things like that that should be either enforced more and for, you know, I never realized how easy they are to be manipulated. Have you guys seen the show like Nathan for you? Yeah. Um, dude, have you seen the episode? I love that show. With dumb Starbucks? Yes, yes, dumb Starbucks. <laughs> th this guy, he's all about like figuring out like how to like abuse laws and like copyright and he just exposes the system for being so stupid and he was able to open up a store called dumb Starbucks <laughs> and it literally uses the Starbucks logo and everything. And it has the exact same menu. And all he does, he puts dumb in front of the name of every single thing on there. Yep. And he just uses a parody law as a way to get around it saying, oh, this isn't like it's an, an actual It's copyright. like an art gallery. Yeah, yeah. he says, this is an art gallery. Yeah. And I'm just doing a parody of Starbucks. And part of the parody is me selling and making profits to parody Starbucks' corporate structure. And he was just allowed to do it. And Starbucks couldn't sue him or do anything. I'm and in the wrong They got business. so many, they, act, they it got was so crazy. many, like, so much traction, so many customers for, like, the period that was open. It was eventually shut down, though. Uh, for whatever they, I think they so. got them in like a technicality yeah. or something but if i had my way copyright law would just be thrown out the window in honesty like you'd be like china you come up with an idea it's not our, your idea it's our idea, our idea. <laughs> well, no like you know if you can you can continue profiting off your original creation but why can't other people just draw from that and add their own things as long as they're not making an absolute copy of it you can't, well, you can't make an absolute copy of anything because every single basic, you cannot make mm. everything the same. So what is your yeah. definition of the same? It's like there's like at a some near, point you have to approximate. Right. Like if someone just made Star Wars, but like changed one's character's name or so something. So like more remixes. Yeah. yeah so remixes, but remixes is our entire I mean, musical every, culture right already now. a remix, but I think it would notch up to the next level where the more the better quality or better crafted things would rise to the surface as opposed to the most popular things mm -hmm. being risen to the surface exactly and yeah i feel like that'd be a very good thing at the end of the day you can't really <laughs> ryan for president no, no matter what system you create no matter what rules you put in place there will be people like bad men will find a way of 
working with the new system you know like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what system you have that's, that's pretty much government yeah that's basically the like no matter what system i think we have a really good system as it is now it's not perfect but i think it is a really good system uh comparing to history comparing to our contemporary countries i think it's a really good system but even within our system yeah there are still people who take advantage of this. You can't make people respect other people's work. You cannot yeah. make people be honest. Exactly. We're, so just make it free. If we're, we're getting to like, it a weird, possible, like a weird period in time too, though, where it's like, if you get rid of all copyrights, like what happens, say, in like 20 years from now, if Disney has technology and they're like, you know what? I want to make a movie and I'm going to call it Ryan. And it's going to be about Ryan Paltine. And I'm just going to like DGI, like CGI you on there as like a weird guy and just like make you do stupid stuff though. This still but it's not going to like I mean, they still, like, do that. They still could, like know, slander and stuff if they like do like but, Ryan Paltine was yeah, an evil I, I, man. I, I, he like, did many I'll, bad I'll, things. If there's no <laughs> copyright, like how yeah. can you? This is also actually related to, we were talking earlier about surveillance and our phones and everything. Right. It's the morality of like information collected about you. Does that belong to you? That's a really good question. I think it's... It does. I think I think morally, inf information collected about you does belong to you. I think if anything, copyright law does not need to be more like strict or not. It doesn't necessarily need to be taken away because copyright law, the whole the law of people being allowed to sue, like the liability thing, that can be abused in a lot of ways. I think lawsuits should be made more but, difficult. But you do realize a lot. Yeah. This um, I don't. I don't think that you should be able to intimidate somebody through your excess of resources and your excess of lawyers into giving up their position. Like, I think that might need to be changed. I would probably want more people to be empowered and to defend themselves in court. I don't necessarily think that less people should go to court or there should be looser laws. I kind of think so, that's just part of human nature though. I think intimidating people with more power, that's, you know, it yeah, doesn't matter how much that, legislation you put, that's, that's always just gonna... This is one little step that might improve the matter. Right. If, you, uh, if you make defending yourself in court easier at least especially in civil court like making it easier to defend yourself against these larger corporations because i know a lot of people who uh i don't know them personally but i know of a lot of people who just you know you settle because it's cheaper like you can't afford to defend yourself and so there's i think a serious moral lapse that happens there if people can win just because they have more resources not because mm. they're in the right especially when it comes to the court system. Yeah. That's a bit of a lapse. And and I think that has to do yeah. with like, it's not a matter of our copyright laws are necessarily super unjust, but the way we're enforcing them, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm, the matter of enforcement is probably way more important than the matter of what they are. I would hate to say this right now, but I, I kind of have to get going because I, <laughs> I do got to be at downtown by All right, well, thanks Thanks for being on the uh, pod the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you guys are welcome for having me. This is probably going to be the best <laughs> episode yet, so yeah, you know, I will uh, be gone. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. I guess I'll just uh, read out some questions, and if you want to talk about them, we can talk about them. Okay. Uh, are Cinematic trailers for video games false advertising? Hmm. Okay, let's dwell on that question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, possibly it's, it's the, I don't know. What do you think? I think cinematic trailers, what they do is, um, they try to make it seem like a movie. They're, they're, they're not advertising the thing itself. And so yep. because consumers for video games are maybe the only consumer base that for the most part, most people think they're trying to buy a game, but what they're tr really trying to buy is a movie, which they can be a part of. And it's, uh. I think it depends on how they advertise it, right? And it depends on the yeah. game. There's a lot like, of specifies, or there's a lot of uh, specifications which can change it. But I think for the most part, yeah. 
I think for sure. It's it's not necessarily false advertising as in it's not giving you what you promised. It's just I don't know. I, I just I think it's think it's people expecting what they shouldn't. Well, like, okay. But then there's some cases where it kind of is false advertising, like yeah. The Witcher. When yeah. they showed that and the graphics looked 10 times better than when the game actually came out, that's false advertising yes. in my yeah, opinion. That's true Even if they say not actual footage of the game, I'm like, then I have no way to estimate what the game actually is going to be. True. So. They're just, it's not a matter of they're lying. They're just not advertising. <laughs> so it's yeah. like they're advertising the logo but they're not advertising the actual it, game it's like a roundabout way of being like we're gonna show this and we're gonna make people believe this but we're technically gonna have these little words underneath just so we can't get in legal trouble you know <laughs> i think it really is the whole thing about people play games but video games i don't know when it was it might have been like the first call of duty where they just they they forgot that a video game should be your control that a video game is all about your choices and the consequences of your choices. And it's not about you just participating in this pre-made story. So uh, that, that's the, at least that's the direction which the engine, like the idea of games lends itself to, if you want to be artistic about it. So really Detroit human or whatever that game is, Detroit mm -hmm. remaining human, become, Detroit become human. human. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Well, you get to make, yeah. So yeah. So you haven't played it. Yeah. Well, I've watched it. Have you rain? What? You played Heavy Rain? Heavy Rain? Uh, no, I haven't. What is it? it would. It's good. It's a good game. It's, uh, an, it's another one like it, right? It's made by the same studio, very similar. You, you know, I have different choices. It's essentially, there's... I, I haven't played it, but I have, like, researched it a bunch. Have you played it, Ryan? Heavy Rain? Yeah. No, I don't think I have. Okay, it's essentially... Um, I can't remember who you play as, but essentially, you have to, like uncover who this like serial killer is and based on your choices you can go down a bunch of different like predetermined paths like a bunch like not as many as detroit become human but detroit become human has a lot of different paths that you can go down uh i've heard it i know what you talked about i've heard of it yeah, yeah. Is that so, the one so it's the like main? either you you catch the serial killer or like the serial killer gets away in like a number of ways don't is you that also the, get to play the, the serial killer the too meme, right? or yes you do you do during points of the game, but you don't know that he is the serial killer. I don't want to like spoil it for yeah, you. Just played it, but but yeah, you do play as the serial killer at one point. You just don't know that it's him until like way on later in the game. And uh, but there is a trophy actually attached to um, making it so that the serial serial killer gets away scot free, which is one of the harder endings to get. Uh, basically, to get that trophy, you have to like you have to know like who the serial killer is and then you have to be intentional about like doing everything wrong uh like killing people and just like let just like yeah all this like terrible stuff you basically have to be dead inside you know, like get that trophy <laughs> it's that's not like you're perfect. gonna accidentally like let him get away scot-free that one person who actually did do it accidentally somehow and they're like i was just trying <laughs> to be like, chaotic oh my gosh <laughs> yeah they went on to become a dictator or something like that <laughs> That is the one with a meme, though, the hold X for doubt. Is that, am I wrong? No, that's no, Detroit. That's, that's L.A. Noir. Wait, is that Noir? Okay. Yes. That that's, is a, that's a Rockstar game. Oh, yeah. Game. Yeah, I know what it's. One of the better memes, yeah. in my opinion, but, you know. I don't, I actually, L.A. Noir, I actually don't like that much. Hmm. I, I know it's, like, controversial. I know that there are a lot of people that like that game, but it's just, it's very, like, scripted and the like quote-unquote revolutionary like face tracking technology mm -hmm. i feel like actually isn't that great 
like there's a lot of times when it's either the wrong like facial animation that's playing or one that is not clear enough as to like what their motives are and so it's it's less about like reading their face and more about like knowing what kind of facial animation you know like corresponds to whatever choice I don't know. It's sounds like oblivion. It, it's, just like their face like, is going like it's like they're trying to do like detective work, but it's so scripted to the point where it doesn't feel like detective work. It yeah. feels like you have to like know exactly what to do and press the right buttons. You know? Yeah. 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 Hmm. I think most detective games would be has really... good music though. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, it is a noir. It does have the word noir. It's it's it. like the perfect like 1950s and 60s like schwaltzy like jazz kind of like. I love that music. It's, it's great. That's my, that's my weakness. <laughs> it's like a mixture between that. There's this one it's artist like called Potsu. Playing the rain. Oh man, I I love that kind of music. I know you like Potsu because I I see you listen to it all the time on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. It's my cooldown music. So back to the uh, question. I honestly think that most cinematic trailers. They try to like, they try to replicate the experience of the game rather mm. than the actual game itself. Mm. So you know you might have like an MMO game, which to someone who plays that MMO, it's super engaging and it's super exciting, and like it, it feels like they're engaging with it more than it actually than they actually are. So for them, it might be like super cool and super engaging, and so they're trying to capitalize on what it feels like by playing a cinematic trailer that is different from the game but that captures more of the experience Mm -hmm. the problem is that not everyone who plays that game is going to have the same experience Mm -hmm. so for people that are not mmo players that are just they they see this cool trailer and they want to check it out so they check it out and it doesn't live up because you know either they're not the intended audience or they just don't understand like the game itself yeah. I think also, I mean, it's marketing, it's manipulation. That's the intention yeah. is to manipulate you into thinking that it's something other than it is, yeah. which is marketing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's another one of those things. It's like a it's kind of an evil which can't quite be perfectly solved. What's the most obscure fact you know? <laughs> obscure obscure facts. So like something that maybe is or isn't useful. I I mean it could be useful perhaps so not necessarily a useless fact but something that most people most regular people wouldn't know of course all the obscure facts leave my mind <laughs> so that i probably should have like given this question to you guys beforehand so you could have like thought <laughs> about time it time to think about it i keep no, on yeah, saying that, obscure I, I, have, facts. I have a bunch but then i now that i'm trying to think i can't think of any <laughs> yeah no exactly well, maybe, maybe i keep we'll on, come back to it i keep on pulling up these things in conversation and getting weird looks from people it's like hey did you guys know and then i say it and people look at me give me this funny little expression like you you obviously didn't know <laughs> well yeah. hmm, I, I hope that's useful for you yeah. um i don't know I come across a lot of this because I listen to a lot of like science podcasts. Yeah. So there's a lot of like interesting like facts about like nature, or, like biology, or like yeah. whatever uh, that you wouldn't like the or- that an ordinary person wouldn't know. But obviously, someone who studies that for a living, yeah, is gonna know like a lot, like of really in depth stuff. And so what you get when you listen to those kind of things is you come away with all these really interesting specific things, but there's no way to use them, and they're just like really oddly specific. And I'll probably I'll I'll probably think of, of some, but it might take a while. Um, I'm trying to think of the most obscure fact I know. I'm just gonna go with this one. America's never lost a war when donkeys were in use. So, 
Uh, that's a pretty obscure fact. <laughs> but wait, when donkeys were oh, you know, Planet Earth. Uh, you guys ever watch that? Um, you guys watch that BBC Planet Earth show? Some no, of, but the music's really good. I know, right? That's what I was just about to say. It's like the I soundtrack. Like we've talked about this so good. <laughs> no, but in that, there's all kinds of weird, obscure facts, like weird, obscure animals and weird, obscure things, which they bring up. It's like, I feel like if we wanted to get a good idea of what planet Earth is, this is giving a very weird impression. Like, this is not the average. Yeah, I remember I heard about this one monkey that gets so stressed out. It will just start banging its head against a tree until it dies. Like as soon as it Ooh, get reach, reaches a certain stress level, it just tries to kill itself. Are you it's talking like, about humans? <laughs> no. Or what? It's, it's like some weird monkey. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my tongue. Yeah. But I hmm. found it so weird that there's just a self-destructive animal like that just <laughs> in the yeah. world naturally. <laughs> there's a lot of those animals which seem really destructive. Like what? The sloth. <laughs> all right that's a bit of a stretch sloths will grab their own arm accidentally and fall to their death but that's because their reaction time is like you know yeah okay, one frame point. per hour or something oh, oh yeah koalas <laughs> koalas share the same kind of fingerprints that humans do there was one koala that killed nice. a dude and uh they koalas saw the, are really aggressive they saw the fingerprints and it matched some guy a few countries over so they tried to arrest him for it and uh he wasn't there at all it, it was a koala that killed the dude what? yeah they they look cute but they are like insane and yeah yeah Ooh, platypuses also platypi <laughs> i i'm sure it's one of those ones where it's like some other unrelated word that is the plural but doesn't make sense yeah sense. but it was like quinine that's what they're called plural <laughs> right no like, uh, what? that makes no sense yeah platypi are venomous that's something interesting they have, they have little spines. So. Aren't they also like iridescent? Like they have iridescent things in their skin or fur. I don't know. I think it was actually recently discovered. It was like an accidental discovery where they were using some kind of light or for some exhibit or something. And they're like, oh, that actually makes these platypuses like glow or, or it was something like that. Yeah. Glow in the dark, <laughs> glow in the dark platypus. You, oh, wow. Platypus. I don't platypi. I yeah, I don't know what the yeah. plural is, but uh, yeah, no, they're really weird. They we can look it up. Per, Perry, that's the that's the platypus. I think <laughs> platypus plural. When they were first found, a lot of people thought it was like one of those fake cryptid things. Yeah, like how yeah. like Bigfoot and stuff. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's like this, guys. You would never believe the animal which we just discovered. So it's just platypuses. Platypuses. Okay, sound makes me feel better. Um. <laughs> There's also another, so Komodo dragons, we have an antibiotic from Komodo dragons called Dragon One, which is extremely effective, which we get out of their plasma in their blood. Hmm. Super effective. It's super effective. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. They also, yeah. Oh, oh, actually the, the most obscure fact I know, uh, the single, the animal that has killed the most people is the Champawat tiger and it killed like 238 people. That's that's what I know. Nice. Mm-hmm. That is the most obscure fact I know. Obscure facts for <laughs> also some obscure facts which shouldn't be obscure facts is what I've learned about Unit Seven Thirty One. But that that is not what I'm going to talk about on this podcast. Yep, research time. Yeah, yeah, research it at your own risk. 
What embarrassing memory will forever be burned into your mind? Oh, my. Oh, okay. Well, I have one to share. <laughs> oh, that was, that was fast. <laughs> so, as a kid, I was super f- freaked out. So, I used to like like bugs, but I got freaked out about them at some point. And in middle school, it was probably the worst time I ever had with bugs. Like, had bees chase me for no reason whatsoever. Well, one time... Uh, I was sitting with my friend and we had these heavy metal desks, like these desks are heavy. And I'm, I was, you know, I was very skinny. I was very weak. Like, you know, I pretty much had no muscle on my bone at all. And, uh, he decided to put like, I think a piece of candy in front of me or something when I wasn't noticing. He was like, Oh, Hey Ryan, there's a stink bug. And so I freaked out and without a moment's thought while the teacher was, like trying to teach us like some lesson, I just flipped the entire table over and it just went <laughs> and everyone was like looking at me and I'm like, there was a stink bug. <laughs> That's actually kind of awesome. I love that. Oh uh, man, best reflexes ever. Um, I don't, I couldn't, I don't remember the most embarrassing moment. There are so much I'm not allowed to forget because if it were in my power, I would find a way to forget the most embarrassing moment. I mean, I'm, I'm so good at forgetting things. But uh, I think one which comes to mind is I was watching a Twilight Zone episode, uh, Terror at 20,000 Feet, or Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, and it's this one about a gremlin, and I jumped out of my skin, like I was reclining in a chair, and I jumped pretty high, like out of the recliner and stuff, because it did one of those uh, jump scares where just like immediately the camera's on like the face of the gremlin right up on the window, and I don't know, I. I think I was like 14 or something. It was pretty embarrassing. But anyway, yeah, that was probably the most, the most, um, that's what I'm reminded of the most because my sister was unfortunately there to, uh, to see it. How about you? Um, when I was younger, I did this like, um, like comedy skit routine type thing. And I had like, um, just like a really odd hat, like a fuzzy hat. And I had like the joke, like the typical like joke glass, like the glasses, the nose and like the mustache. Yeah. And, uh, I video recorded it and, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty, it's very cringeworthy. <laughs> oh my. Um, it's pretty bad. Mm. Yeah. I wish that I could just delete it from <laughs> like everywhere, just forever. Just, from the internet? Just gone, just not even from the internet, just from existence. <laughs> <laughs> just from God, yeah. I feel, yeah. Okay, you're old and you're on your deathbed. So with your last breath, you deliver your final words to anyone that you know. So what do you say and who do you say it to? Mm. Mm. Um, Cowabunga, my dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let me think. This one actually requires, if I want to be genuine, then it's a different matter. But oh, I, if I, I think I'd mess with, like, with someone. Like, I, like, like, you know, like I talk to someone who's like a very big believer in Christianity or something. I'd be like, oh God, it's all dark. Like, freak them out. <laughs> like, no, no, I actually mean it. <laughs> but like, you know, just mess with them. <laughs> it's like from Megamind. It's so... Bright and dark, and warm and light. 
There's nothing. Nice. <laughs> just, <Yes. laughs> just, just like scare the living daylights Save out of them. Save yourself. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Nice. I think I would do something similar, something jokey. It'd be like, um, you know how there's like these these crazes where like someone dies and they they tell someone that like they've left like treasure or like something valuable just like <laughs> hidden right yeah. out in the middle of nowhere yeah and there's like these ex like these mass groups of people that go to these areas to try to find these different things and yeah. like no one finds anything <laughs> i think it'd be really funny to do that but like yeah. point them to somewhere where obviously it's like there's nothing there uh but like such a large enough region where like people would be looking for like a long time i don't know i think that'd be really funny like yeah Obviously, you know, you'd have to be like, you'd probably have to be somewhat well off to be able to, to have some, you know, like a, like, you know, have it be, you know, where people like believe it. Mm -hmm. You, you know? could terrorize one of your friends though and make a step further. Say that you buried it in one, in their yard. And then you got everyone trying to dig up their yard. There you go. Nice. <laughs> nice. I don't know. If, it, perfect, if I were a little bit crime. older, I'd confess to assassinating JFK or something like that as a joke. That's but then, I think you need to be a little older for that. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do as a joke. I think honestly, yeah. I, I couldn't say what I'd do. It's all relying on the fact that I'll be old when i die now that's not a given i think my, my odds that's are true me. that's true yeah yeah so you get have to do it now then is what is what you're mm. saying yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> do it now do it now do it okay comfort food so it could be a movie a book a game or a show but something that you have seen many times that you keep going back to because it's it's comfortable um you know, I think for a lot of people, uh, watching like Lord of the Rings is like a comfort food where it's like they, they've seen it so many times that like they know like literally everything that happens. But it's one of those things where it's just like it's yeah. it's nice to to watch, uh, you know, as opposed to experience something new that like you don't know what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. This is like you're very comfortable because you know everything that's gonna happen. Yeah, oblivion. So I I nice. oblivion oblivion. I I think I've had at least like. 12 different playthroughs of it because it, it's just fun though it's just fun to get involved in the world and just like mm. you know go through the quest it's very mon monotonous mm -hmm. but it's really like i don't know it's just something to do when you got nothing else to do yeah i uh i think lord of the rings is undoubtedly one of my comfort foods um reading it is also something like that uh I think with shows, I never was super into TV shows. I've, I've gotten into only a few of them and none of them consistently. Hmm. So I don't think I could really say any show is. And when it comes to games, uh, it's weird enough, but I think Dark Souls might be my comfort game. I think yeah. my show would probably be X-Files. Really? Mm. Yes. That's interesting. In an unrelated chain of events, I'm not very comfortable most of the time. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Cameron? Uh, Skyrim. <laughs> very uh, chilling. It, it's very like chill, like literally chill. just gonna like literally just like chill out and like do whatever. Because uh, there's like, I mean, there's so many things that you can do and it's like just fooling around in Skyrim. Mm -hmm. um, do you think they're so, gonna release it on the PS5? <laughs> I think it is already on the PS5 through backwards well, compatibility. Backwards compatibility. It won't get a separate release, unlike GTA 
Oh, I don't know which about GTA that. GTA Five needs to stop. Just yeah. stop re-releasing it. Like we don't, we don't need it again. We, we, what we need is a new, like a new game, like GTA Six. You know, another Red Dead game. Literally anything else other than GTA Five. <laughs> we, what I want for Red Dead. Red Dead Nightmare. You know, that is something I want too, but I want Red Dead 1 in the same game engine as a DLC. So imagine if you get through Red Dead 2, but as a DLC. So you get through Red Dead 2 and it just continues into Red Dead 1. That would be my ideal. Dude, that would be perfect. I thought about that, how uh, it'd be really cool if you had games which instead of instead of operating as a sequel where you're playing, where you're basically resetting, you just had a continued... That's actually one of the reasons why I really enjoy from software games. They have the new game plus function where the, you, the second playthrough, you keep all your previous things, but you kind of get to experience the story again and maybe change the story. Um, because I think, yeah, replayability is super important and having all your progress be completely taken away from you when you play the sequel to what's obviously the same game yeah. is really frustrating. It's also really frustrating when you get to the end of the game and there's like the no turn back moment was like okay go back and like level up and do everything that you want to do before like the end game Mm -hmm. and so then you play through the end game and literally there's no new game plus after the end your only choice is to go back to before the end game started which like literally makes no sense and like i i had that problem with um breath of the wild because breath of the wild has that similar thing where it's cool that it has an open world that you can go and explore at your own pace And you can either go to, you know, the end game, like right off the bat, or you can like collect all the Korok seeds for all like a thousand of them or whatever. You can do that first if you want to, like you can do them in your own pace. The problem is that the end game with, with Ganon, like there's no new game plus, there's no way to like continue Link's story after that. You either have to start a new game entirely, or you can go back to before you fight Ganon, which again, it... Makes in Vegas sense. had the same problem. Oh, really? Yeah, you, you, if you, and the thing is, is you really want to see what what the world's like after what happened. Yeah, and there's nothing. Like they aren't gonna have a sequel to it, really. Yeah. So you kind of just left there with like this ending, and you can't like go further past that. Like you can't continue playing. You have to just always play before the ending. Hmm. Interesting. I always thought Fallout was a cool looking game, basically. Science fiction Skyrim. I thought it was pretty cool looking. And then I realized that it's just science fiction Skyrim. I mean, it's it's nothing yeah. special. Nothing interesting, I guess. Or it is, but not really. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess if I had to choose if I had to choose one for each, I'd probably have Lord of the Rings as my movie, Psych for my show, hmm. and uh, for my game it might actually be Portal 2. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. I kind of return to those occasionally. Yeah, and the hard thing with this question, too, is I, I wouldn't say I necessarily have one for a, a movie or a show because, especially for movies and shows, like I try to experience like new things as opposed to like revisiting current things. Yeah. And I guess, I guess I'm the same way for like for games. Like I, I don't usually, I'm not the type of person to like go through something like again and again if I like it. Uh, you know, I might go through something like twice or maybe even like three times, mm-hmm. but like I, I try to seek out like new things because like, you know, even with games that I like a lot, you know, in my mind, I'm always like, 
you know, maybe there is another game or another movie or another show or whatever out there that I'm going to like more than the thing that I really like. And so I want to find like that other like new thing. The downside of that though, is that I have all these games that like I've started, but I've never finished because uh, I just jump around way too much. Um, and uh, yeah, with movies, a lot of, a lot of movies that I've only seen once, like, uh, you know, some movies, unless you see them multiple times, like you're not really going to remember them. And so yeah. it results in like, I've seen a ton of movies, but like the amount of movies that I actually like remember a lot of like what happens is like actually very, very small. So mm. interesting. Yeah. yeah. I have a really good memory when it comes to movies, mm. but not so much for, um, reality <laughs> no uh not so not so much for like shows i think with shows my memory gets really weak i have basically no recollection hmm. which is one of the reasons why detective shows can work for me because you know if you watch a detective show then for me the mystery is like still a mystery after the third watching through because by the time i finish all the seasons i'm like what what happened in this episode <laughs> yeah What's the next question? So I've got a really interesting question that might seem strange to you. Um, especially as like guys, because um, I don't know, at least for like most dudes, you know, we're not like super emotional like people. So the question is like, what is something, what is the most recent thing that made you tear up? And I changed it from what is the most recent thing that made you cry? Because I feel like crying is different than like tearing up is more of like you feel the emotional impact of a certain thing and the result of that emotion is like tearing up not necessarily like crying but yep i watched a show recently called 91 days mm. and it essentially takes place during the prohibition era it's an anime mm. um and uh the main protagonist you know he loses his family to this mob and so he ends up wanting to get vengeance on it he's made his whole entire life goal trying to get vengeance on this family. And he has this family that's taken him in and kind of raised him almost after his family got murdered. And so he joins his mob and tries to destroy it from within. Mm. There's just this scene, which I don't want to spoil too much, but it's with the brother, well, not his real brother, but like the one that was part of the raised up family that just made me tear up because it was like, it was just like really sad. Mm. <laughs> I, I like, I can't really just... I can't say more without spoiling the show, and I really don't want to spoil the show. You're the only person I've ever met who cares about not spoiling things. For like everybody else is like, all right, so everybody, remember Endgame? All right, spoiler. Well, you know why I care? I'll, me specifically, I care because a ton of things have been spoiled for me. Yeah. Well, it's because I want people to watch those shows, so yeah. I have more, so That's I can talk point. about <laughs> it. So I, if there I tell if I tell them about it, they're not going to watch. Yeah, the they're going to have to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For me, yeah. it's kind of like a tie between two things. I can't remember which one happened more recently, but I know I was one. I was the other day. I was listening to this uh, this sermon, uh, Pastor Ken Ortiz of Calvary Chapel in Spokane, and he was talking about just the state of our culture and how how uh, corrupt we've become and how evil. And it, I just it hit me. It hit hard, especially. Mm. Um, Especially the infanticide that's going on on a legal and consistent basis. Mm. I, it just hit me really hard that, like, I'm a part of a country that's doing this. Mm. And uh, that hit, like, that made me tear up. But then, 
unapologetically, I tear up every single time King Theoden comes over the hill in Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Every single time. No, when when you have, when the Witch King raises oh, his sword, man. and then like you hear the horns, the horns, it's just so good. I love that scene. I could watch that scene all day. So great. What about you, Cameron? Uh, well, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was a movie that I saw recently. Let me see if I can... I think it was, I think it was Slumdog Millionaire. Have you heard of this movie? Yeah, I have. That one's a really good. One. I guess it was just like the combination of his super hard and basically like tragic life, like the juxtaposition of that and mm-hmm. like him actually like getting what he wants and like having the good life like that he wants like in the end. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was just it was it was it was a pretty epic. Um, movie at least to me hmm. i i liked it a lot i really i really like it too yeah it's pretty good have you seen lion no actually haven't Re- i heard of it that one's pretty good yeah. it's it's not dev patel with beard dev patel with the beard <laughs> australian dev patel oh snap yeah he has an nice. aussie accent uh that was pretty good it wasn't i think as good as um some dog millionaire but the child actor who plays for the most like for most of the the movie is really something else. Uh, I don't know how they cast him, how they got that performance out of him, because he's a small child. He's obviously very young, but he is so good. Hmm. They're so good. And I've worked with a lot of child actors. I've never seen something like him. Yeah, there's very few child actors that are actually like actually good. But I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of like child actors does depend on the directing. So yeah. There's yeah. that too. Uh, most actors depend on <laughs> directing, honestly. Right, but like kid, kid actors even more so because while regular actors, they can manufacture certain emotions, mm-hmm. kids cannot. Yeah. And so they, they need to have direction to know how to respond to certain things, you know, what the scene, like, you know, what the subtext of the scene is going to be. And you know, even even like coaching, like ways, different ways to bring out different emotions. Mm-hmm. And if you just tell a kid actor, okay, well, like this is a, a sad scene, so I need you to like cry, and that's that's it. You're probably not going to get a very good performance out of that kid actor. No. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. What's something you're really terrible at, but wish that you could do well? Life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, more specific. More specific. Hmm. You know, I actually, I would say in general, just physical activity. I think running, though. I wish I were much better at running. What if I told you you could actually get better at that? <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Time management. Time like management. Schedu- like scheduling. Hmm. Like, I'm terrible at that. Really. <laughs> uh, like, I used to have a planner. I didn't really fill out much in that planner, as I probably should have. Wish I was better at that. Pretty terrible at it. Hmm. I think understanding people though would probably be like my big one Hmm. Um, true like to understanding people and um because oftentimes to help people you have to understand what they need and understanding what their need is in of itself something difficult Hmm. so sometimes i can like i want to help people but i can't help them because i honestly don't know what they need like i don't know what's the best thing to do for them so knowing that would help me a lot because then at least I know what to do. Uh, I would honestly say like handstands or any of, of like the more like gymnastic um, type of like 
you know, you know flexibility routines or whatever. I wish I yeah. was more flexible. Yeah. Um, and I, like I'm, I'm trying to like I, I'm progressing towards like a freestanding handstand, and like I am trying to be more flexible. But it's just such a slow process, at least for me, that it's really hard to see progress. And so uh, it's, it's like any one of those things where you like you look at people that are uh, really good at it, and you're like, you know going from like that to like where I'm at now is such a, uh, like a large distance that it's hard. And especially when the progress is so minimal, like it's hard to see like getting there. Yeah. But yeah. Do we talk about this? What's a movie book gamer show you wish was wiped from your memory so you could experience it again for the first time. I guess we didn't. One of those things where it's like you experiencing it kind of like what I talked about, like you experiencing it again, it, it's not going to like, you've already experienced it. So you're not going to get like that you know, the satisfaction that you get from like something new. Um, so I guess like this would be more yeah. beneficial, I guess for like, yeah. People who have like thrive on like new experiences. Well, uh, for me, uh, you guys would probably expect this because basically most of my conversation revolves around it, which is telling about its impact on me. But Lord of the Rings was something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Lord, okay, Lord of the Rings was something which I don't ever remember watching for the first time. I have watched so many bits and pieces before I sat down and watched it all through. It was such a foundation of my childhood, basically, that I never really remember the first time I watched it. Like I watched it, you know? And so I never had that experience of truly appreciating it and truly getting everything out of it on the first time watching it. I never had that, the impact. I never felt the impact. I have the appreciation, but not so much the impact. And so I wish I could do that, but there's some other ones too, which are a similar thing. Uh, it's a wonderful life. I, I didn't appreciate it until now. Hmm. And I wish I could watch it again so I could appreciate it, like fully appreciate it. Hmm. Cool. Right. Well, Red Dead Redemption Two. <laughs> I would love yeah. to replay that game without knowing what was going, what was happening. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the TV. Uh, for a movie, a silent voice. It, um, it's on Netflix. It's pretty good. It's another mm. anime, but mm. it's uh, it deals a lot with like bowling, bowling, like a. Uh, you know, like perspective from a bully, like how does someone hmm. become that way and how can misunderstandings and stuff lead into, hmm. you know, and I, I really liked that movie. That movie was really good. Wish I could watch it again without knowing what was going to happen, but. <laughs> yeah. How about, how about you, Cameron? Oh, boy. Um, I'm just trying to think of like, yeah, something that I had a, a like a powerful response to. Uh. I mean, I could, I could, I could name like my, my, my favorites from each of those categories, but I don't necessarily know if the, like the first experience was the best experience of that thing, mm -hmm. you know, because some things they do, you know, like they do require an, an additional like playthrough or a watch for it to like get better. Like there's a lot of like movies or games where the first time I played them, I, didn't particularly like them until I went through them like a second time. So I don't know for those if like the first time would actually benefit me or not. Hmm. Um, like Interstellar, I didn't really like it that much the first time I watched it, but mm -hmm. like every time, like since that, it's just like it's gotten better. So 
Do you have anything? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of knowledge. Interstellar. Uh, <laughs> I think Inception is a one which I've gotten. Like I, 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 that's the one which I do remember watching for the first time that's and me. really enjoying. <laughs> and then I, I would love to watch it again. I think I'd, I'd get a big kick out of it if I watched it again, not knowing what I know now. Um, also, this is one thing that came to my mind is so I, I've grown up in like a Christian household. Like I was taught a lot of both theology and um, the Bible from a kid. And I say a lot, not very much by historical standards, but by cultural standards, a lot. And uh, the way I see it, it would have been nice to have that, that like, that discovery. Like I envy people who came to Christ at a later age because Mm -hmm. they, they have something which I can't, I can't mimic really. Like they, they have that like first discovery, which is something really unique and special. And it's not, it's different than what I have. Like, I don't necessarily envy them because I think, oh, well, I would like to make a bunch of mistakes in my life and then turn my life around. But uh, rather, I just, that first experience of sitting down with the Bible and not really understanding what it is, but then discovering it is, uh, would be a really special thing to experience. Hmm. So that's something which I just thought of myself. I wouldn't want it wiped out from my mind, though. That's not like, it, it it has required so much labor to just get it in there, so I don't want it like wiped out. Oh man, pesky morals! Wish I could just wipe it away. <laughs> <laughs> pesky ethics, dang it! Sometimes, uh, I mean, isn't that what we do though? We wipe away the morals until, you know, until we do what we want to do, and then we realize, well, that was a mistake. Yeah, for a game. I don't know if there's any specific game which I could say it's like, oh, I wish I could wipe it out. Except, okay, Portal 2. <laughs> Except Portal 2. No, uh, no, Portal 2 is a game which I played like three times in a row the first week that I had it. It was so entertaining to me. I just nice. loved the comedy of it. And it has great replayability because you can't remember a lot of the comedy. Um, but that's not something I want to wipe away because the appreciation deepens with every experience and the, the first impact wasn't necessarily any better except right. I was so yeah, yeah. I was so pleasantly surprised like yeah. I was so surprised about how funny it was um, and how good it was um, yeah for like a game I can't think of many games where I was like wow that first experience was just like boom okay I thought of one wow um, wish for three uh, so the first time that I played that I really hadn't played that many <laughs> games uh, and so it was like the first time that I was invested in a game that like I owned, I owned the game and like the game system and I, I put way too many hours into that game. Uh, even, even just like the first playthrough, just like doing all of the side quests, all, you know, like literally doing everything that like there was to do. I spent way too much time in that, but, um, but yeah, it was super unique. And I just remember like sitting down there in the basement, at, like three in the morning and you know playing through it and you know coming across like there were certain specific parts that i remember very distinctly uh like you know the final like at the end of the main game the final battle with like the wild hunt there's like a there's a part where ailment earth has like a super cool like cinematic and uh and following fight scene that i just remember being like oh or like you know when you're playing a siri near the end of the like the main game and you get her um you basically get this this ability where you can base just like insta kill just like any enemy and so it's like super like the super frenzied battle where you're literally just like cutting through everyone just like in, in like one just one like insta kill per enemy 
uh, I, I just remember just like freaking out or I don't know. There's a bunch of different memories he, that I have oh, like of that game. But. I was trying to convince him to play Witcher three just right. Before. <laughs> I know there's I know there's like some nudity and yeah language and whatnot. But I honestly think that if you can if you can get past that part of it and just skip those cutscenes, I honestly think that there's a really good engaging and interesting game uh, beneath that service. And not to mention like the music is great, the storytelling is is pretty great. Um, it still holds up really well after being out for like six years. Um, like it, it, it honestly rivals like some current games, obviously not Red Dead 2 because Red Dead 2 is also a masterpiece, but <laughs> you know, other, other games that aren't as big, it definitely rivals like current games. Mm. Um, I honestly, I, I think it's masterpiece and I think you should play it. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll think about it. I don't know. It's not something which I... I really want to get into. There are some things which I want to get into, and it's not. It also has two DLCs, which are honestly better than the main game. And the two DLCs are widely different. One is you're basically hunting a vampire. And I I, I don't think this necessarily spoils it, but at the end of that expansion, there's basically an all-out battle for the realm between vampires and humans, and it's pretty epic. Uh, and then the other DLC, uh, is more of like a, a, a more, it's a story about like morality essentially, but it's about two, like, uh, two lovers who, uh, basically became immortal and they basically grew sick of each other to the point where the, I believe the, the woman, um, she like curses herself or, or something to the point to where she's like in torment. And so he like the, the dude like comes to you for help. Um, but like, there's some really fantastic visuals. Like there's a, it's not like a dream sequence, but it's similar to a dream sequence where you go inside this painting to find these different items that you need, like to help <sighs> lift like this curse from this woman. That, that sound, that and it's, it's lit like a Van Gogh painting, really, but you're in, but like you're in the painting and okay. it's, there's some sequences like that. They're like, Whoa! I've not, I've never seen this before. This is amazing. In Dark Souls, you jump into a couple paintings. It's like, oh, whoa, really? yeah. It's not that. It's not. You don't have interesting aesthetics. It's just like another world. No. But it's yeah. It's like a Van, it's like a Van Gogh painting where like everything looks like it's painted and it's like colorful. And <laughs> it's yeah. cool. And I also like how some of the side quests can actually like affect things. Mm, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, like the uh, the crones. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, this, the storytelling is just, it's its pretty on point. Um, yeah, some of those side quests are really, really interesting from, yeah, like a story point of view. Like, I'm, I think the Bloody Baron's side quest is like one of the best in the game. Did you play that one where that guy was a werewolf and like a... Yeah, Wild Heart. Yeah, yeah. and you had to choose like... <laughs> so basically, it's, it's a dude who is a werewolf and... He's in love with this uh, woman, but there's this other woman that loves him and doesn't want him to be with this other woman. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the the love tri- the love hate triangle. Yeah. And so basically, what happens is the the woman who is jealous basically lures this this other woman that he loves to his lair where he hides out when he's a werewolf, and he accidentally 
just like murders her because he's werewolf and he can't help himself. And like, it, it was all a plot by the woman. And so you're hired uh, to basically find, find out what happened. Uh, and then in the end, you can either choose to like, let him kill the woman who, you know, and, and he's like at torment because he's like, what have I done? What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, you know, just like stuff like that, where it's like almost fairy tale Yeah. But like almost kind of like a dark fairy tale where it's like things can either turn out uh, bad or worse. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> you know, there, there are no like good endings. I, uh, I wanted to leave and just, <laughs> but I ended up, accidentally choosing the other option oh, and i ended yeah. up having to fight the dude yes yeah, so, and then yeah. i was like oh i have to go back to my latest save but the save was way too far gone i'm like i guess this is just the story now <laughs> and the both endings are bad because if you if you let him kill her then he's just killed her and then you have to kill him anyways and if you don't you know if you if you don't let him kill her then you, you still kill- have to kill him but then and then she gets walked scot free well essentially. She, not only is she scot free but she is just like, yeah, just like super, just sad, and you know, I mean, I mean, think about it. Like, yeah. she caused the death of like two people, and she's gonna be like emotionally scarred with this thing like forever. And you just find her up like in the house, just like weeping. And so you essentially made out to be like, you don't get a good choice. You either yeah. you're either an accomplice in a, in the murder, or you end up just letting this true killer get away but also she ends up like super tormented and everyone's just unhappy and you have another dead person on your hands yeah pretty much <laughs> interesting i can yeah. dig it i can dig it and there's a lot of those side quests too you come across a lot of weird side quests and you know they all have very interesting stories to them yeah yeah there's like the one uh where it's it's this like ogre dude and he's like um he's like in this like underground building and he he basically has this ruse where the villagers think that he's a god and so he demands that they pay him tribute by like bringing food and like beer and wine and all this kind of stuff to him uh and so uh essentially like you have the choice to one you either uh fight him and kill him because he is deceiving the villagers and just just not being you know He's basically taking advantage of the villagers, or you can let him go, and he continues to take advantage of the villagers. So, you so mur- yeah, you murder and, a dude and they, to let they, him get away, <laughs> right? Right. And if you if you like if you choose to like leave him be, like you do get a small reward, uh, like a, a small monetary reward from that. Um, but the the villagers are still under this, like they still think that like it's a god, and so it's like well. Do you tell you know? Do you tell them the truth and kill a monster, or do you not, or do you just let them believe their delusion hmm. and suffer the consequences? Because yeah. what what happens is like they they contribute to give food to this god, even though their people are like starving. So they're basically giving like food that would be given to the villagers to this like just fat gluttonous being that like doesn't even need it. So mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah.